Your ghosts follow you. They never leave. They live with you. It's when we let them in that we can face ourselves. Oh, hi, Donald. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Hey, everybody. Hey there. Hi. Howdy, howdy. Toodaloo. Welcome to another episode of Terra Impanito. I believe this is 135. Yes. Very. I Look, the rains have been passed for this week. I have a whole bunch of shit going on. I had to go to Ohio. Some creepy shit happened with my family. I had one family member. No, I had a family member give birth, and then another family member immediately die 15 minutes later. It's been an eventful week for me. Yes. <laughs> There's been a lot of uh, mixed emotions. Uh, we had five Tuesdays in a row. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. That's true. We did. We did. Yeah. At least uh, this is Biden's America now. Well, not yet. I honestly think that not that, yet. that could have that could have been what killed my aunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's possible. <laughs> Dang. Damn. It is possible. Uh, no, seriously, she's a she was a wonderful woman with a skewed view on politics. We'll, we'll put it that way. Okay. I mean, I guess it's kind of what you'd expect, though. Right? Yeah. From it's pretty. Common. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my sisters and I have been debating all week about politics in my family and realized that my mom probably was like an anarcho leftist. Hmm. And I'm far enough left compared to my sisters and my dad that I'm not allowed to talk about politics during holiday meals. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, that doesn't surprise me, considering I had to have like an in depth conversation. So, so you're from, you're, you're Jewish. Yeah. Meaning your family is Jewish. Yeah. And I had to have like an in-depth conversation with your sister about what does and doesn't entail a Nazi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that doesn't, I don't know why that surprises me. <laughs> I yeah. guess I shouldn't be surprised no, no. by that. Fam- family politics are always weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. But uh, we're not here to talk about politics. We're here to talk about all the fun stuff like Halloween and what we did over Halloween what we ate for Halloween. What we ate for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, bro. Did they lot. give out the full-size candy bars in your new neighborhood? There were a couple places that were. There were a couple were, places yeah. that did. Um, nice. Well, I think one of the first houses we went to was a full a full-size candy bar house, and I was like, I fucking knew it. Yeah. No, no <laughs> she like we were literally like like walking down from the driveway because we trick or treat at, at in our mid thirties, and uh, <laughs> we were walking down from the driveway. Uh, no, really, we're just like carrying our kids around and like, oh, don't they look cute? This is really just an excuse to go trick or treating. Yeah, yeah. Give us their candy. Give us their candy. <laughs> Because uh, everybody kept kind of looking at us and being like, oh, they can't eat this. Do you want some? And we'd be like, yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking out here. <laughs> uh, but it turns out my neighborhood is just as awesome as as we anticipated better. it was going to be. Better. Really? Yeah. Uh, were, were, did you notice? Well, I guess you were here, so you wouldn't have seen if there was anything in our neighborhood. I did not see. I know Mary Beth texted me because I was out of town. And she texted me. She goes, I forgot to buy candy. I don't know if there are any trick-or-treaters. I just told her to turn the front light off. 
Dang. <laughs> well, you well, got, that you, way they don't have to worry about it. You said in the past that you only got like a few. No, right? I, that her she doesn't get any because of the way that like the road she's on mm-hmm. in our neighborhood is set up. There's nowhere for them to really walk. Where like my house is much more because like there's a little cul-de-sac like right next to my house. Right. Um, so I guess like two years ago <laughs> we got a good amount. We probably got like thirty or forty kids. Oh wow, that's pretty um, good. Last year we didn't get as many, but it was raining. Hmm. Uh, but I feel like. I feel like there's a lot of kids that have recently moved into, like, my side of the neighborhood. Mm. Um, so I imagine next year's probably going to be pretty busy. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, there were just... So basically, there's, like, one main road that runs through uh, my neighborhood. And by main road, I mean, like, that's just where more cars are. It's still, like, a back yeah. back road, mm-hmm. right? But there's, like, cul-de-sacs attached every, like... I don't know what 30 40 feet something like that. It's like a rib cage. Yeah, uh, yeah. yes, that's the best yeah. way to describe it actually. So yeah, like I, we just like started around our neighborhood and honestly our street was like the lamest out of all of them like yeah. like there were don't get me wrong, we had a couple and, neighbors. And it was not lame. Yeah. Yeah, it was not lame. Don't don't, don't like just, just compared to every yeah. other yeah. freaking cul-de-sac. <laughs> we were so, not doing it right. Cuz I didn't I don't remember the like had people done any Decorations, because I don't remember the last time we were here was, I guess, the week before Halloween. I don't remember seeing a whole lot. A lot of people, uh, so it's it was real weird, right? So a lot of people didn't decorate until like two or three days beforehand, mm-hmm. but like went all out. Okay. And then literally the next day started, and every single day, it was like the Twilight Zone. Every single dad was out there on their front lawn taking <laughs> everything down. <laughs> and I'm just over here just like, I'll, I'll get to it. <laughs> we still have our pumpkins on our front doorstep. Yeah, I you. wish I could say that. Mary Beth put up our Christmas tree yesterday. Oh, man. But That's, <clears throat> wow. All right. Yeah, but I know. But this neighborhood, Palmer's neighborhood, they had like guys walking on creepy guys walking on stilts yeah they like had Grim reaper stilts gr- and like stuff. uh as like a, a, the 12 foot skeleton from like, like somebody Home hired Depot? these people to come do it or no, people this that is live just people yeah. in the neighborhood this is just dads in the neighborhood <laughs> yeah this one dope. house had like 75 animatronic creepy things like all hanging outside the house this one guy had this kind is of this like neighborhood on the tacky light store for christmas catapult i don't thing know i wouldn't be surprised that like chucked candy at kids so they yeah. could catch it with their baskets. Nice. All about social distancing. So people had dev- designed all these devices. You can see that there's like engineers that live in this neighborhood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like there was like a person that like pretty much on every cul-de-sac that had designed some sort of contraption to shoot candy mm-hmm. or, sh- or or like so drop it listening down. To our podcast, like, obviously. Yeah. Um, they yeeted the treats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeet the treats. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and uh, man, uh, yeah. So the highlights were definitely like the twenty foot tall skeleton, yep. and then there was another house that had pretty much every single horror icon yep. you could possibly imagine, plus like a whole bunch of dead babies. Yeah, yeah, tons, like, tons of like zombie babies. Yeah, and like uh, there was another one that had like uh, a decoration of some guy getting run over by a lawnmower. And we walked by, he's like, "Have you seen my lawn guy?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was all dads too. They were just like. Just, dad and out you could, yeah you could see that like a lot of people really uh enjoyed celebrating this holiday that's uh, awesome and, and, and there was, was tons of kids there were so many kids like so we started a little earlier than everybody else because you know yeah. our kids are only one and we weren't going to keep them out but like as soon as like 7 30 hit mm-hmm. as soon as it started to get like really dark mm-hmm. 
it was just like hundreds <laughs> of kids as far oh, as wow. you could see like going up and down every stretch of road we're talking full families just enjoying themselves like laughing scaring mm-hmm. the crap out of one another there were bonfires in some cul-de-sacs some ple- people were having block parties yeah uh <laughs> but everyone had their candy table at like the end of their driveway yeah. so people yeah. could stay like socially distant so it was it was nice yeah, yeah I saw, uh my mother-in-law sent us a picture they set out like a folding table like, yeah at the card what... table at the end of their driveway with I guess little bags of people could just come and like pick a bag up. Yeah, and keep on walking. exactly. Um, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was really, I'm really, me and Kelly immediately came home like the next day. We purchased like an additional like $300 worth of like, because everything was like 50, <laughs> sale, 60% yeah. on sale. So we got like eight or nine different like things so to already, like already oh prepping gosh, for next so year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we, they need to step their game up. We got a whole hey, bunch it's of your first, It's your first Halloween <laughs> in the new house. You guys just moved in this summer. Yeah, we've been doing you're, a lot of work you're allowed, on it. You're allowed to get through these holidays. You have one, one the, year. Yeah, well, like by the skin of your teeth, but next year, bro. You gotta. You yeah, gotta you have yeah. a horror podcast. You <laughs> yeah, need to yeah, step yeah. up your game. Well, I, me and Kelly were talking. We were like, "Jesus, we need to like prepare for Christmas." <laughs> we're already like on <laughs> Christmas stuff, like ready to go. Dude, I talked to my wife, man. She already put up the Christmas tree. Like I'm in the room. I'm I'm in the room painting the nursery, and she she just comes and knocks on the door. She's like, "I did something you're not gonna like." It's like what? She's like, it's in the living room. I was like, God damn it, you put up the fucking tree. No, I have a I have a friend uh, who lives out in Arizona. That's exactly yeah. Exactly. Dude, talk to like her, that. man. She'll she will help you Christmas Christmasify your house. Yeah, like as soon as trick or treating's over, he's got Christmas music playing, and that's just that's just him, man. That's yeah, what he does, and he embraces it. He's like, I fully acknowledge that this is obnoxious to a lot of people, <laughs> but it's me. That's all right. A lot of people think <laughs> like, the things okay. I like are obnoxious. Yeah, it's true. It's I true. mean, if you wanna, if you just wanna play Mariah Carey's best banger of all time for the next two months, I'm okay with that. <laughs> is that all I want for Christmas? Is you? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that. You know what? All right. You can. You all. You're entitled to your opinion on Mariah Carey. I have some strong opinions on the Mariah. Carey. I like '90s Mariah Carey. Yeah. I just yeah. like that one. That's song. about the one thing that. That's about the one thing that I'll take away from the '90s with with. Mm. I just Mar- like that one Mar- song. Mariah Carey on roller skates. Yeah, her her and Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I'm a big fan of Mariah Carey now because of New Year's Eve and all of her terrible lip syncing fiascos. Oh, also how she doesn't walk anymore. She yeah. just says people carry her yeah. everywhere. Like she, she's <laughs> reached her. she's yeah. reached like that peak goddess level yeah. where nothing matters and everything is done for her. And <laughs> I every, I'm really just kind of jealous. Every time I see her on my TV, I'm just like, you don't age. No. You're like. Like what's her name? Kylie Minogue. Like every time oh, I see Kylie, yeah. she just had a new song come it's out. Like her like, and, J- and J Lo. Like they're all the same. Like they all no. like J Lo aged. J Lo has gotten older. Now I'm not saying she's not like a fine wine, <laughs> but she has gotten older. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when you're super rich too. Also, you. Oh yeah, yeah. you yeah, age yeah. differently. You age differently when you're that rich. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Uh, so we watched a bunch of stuff over over the past month too, uh, collectively, and we kind of had been just talking about it independently or like in our own little like we have this this terror in Podnito iMessage group that God. we keep going <laughs> with uh, that that has just devolved into like that's why I don't get work done. It's not even witty banter anymore. It's just banter. <laughs> it's just like I don't I don't. Every once in a while, we come all of us collectively have something that's like uproarious, and we'll latch onto it for a good fifteen or twenty minutes. Yeah. But most of the time, it's just me posting like memes that like neither of you guys care about. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them I do. I posted one today that Alex responded to, and I'm surprised mm. you didn't. 
What one was it? The, I already the, forget. The pastor Kenneth Copeland. Oh, oh. Robo laugh. I actually, <laughs> I meant to, I meant to watch that. Uh, I was in terrifying. my car driving. It's terrifying when you sent it, and I, I. Uh, <laughs> chances are when I don't respond to something it's because I'm like driving yeah. or like <laughs> I don't know just I'm not at a point where I can respond to it and then I just forget uh, later but we talked about a whole bunch of, of horror stuff um, shows that we were watching we had mentioned a couple of them on the podcast but I wanted to see if there were any highlights anything that stood out that mm-hmm. we really enjoyed watching over over the month of October so before we get into like the nitty gritty with it mm-hmm. I have to know Mm. So the both of you, for some weird fucking reason, wound up watching Urban Legend at the exact same time <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> this over the over this past weekend. Uh-huh. I don't know how that happened. I guess you guys were about five or ten minutes apart. It seemed like one, it. Was, yeah. one was a little bit behind the other. Uh, Alex, obviously, I know why you watched that movie. Yes. Uh, I was very surprised, Palmer, to hear that you'd watched it. Well, you said and, you were watching it, and I was just like, God, so am I. And I wasn't, I wasn't ever going to admit it to you guys, but because of the fact that you said it, I was just like, yeah. uh, I mean, this is kismet. Now I have to you say have it. You have to mention so it. So you said that you were watching it to try to figure out why Alex and I like it so much. Yeah. Did you figure Did it you out? Did you figure it out? How do you feel about that movie now that you've recently rewatched it? I pretty much about to say I legitimately think that movie is worse than <laughs> than uh, I know what you did last summer. Oh, uh, no. I really can't. I mean, I agree with that. I can't. Again, I think that's the worst out of the three. The twist at the end is dumb. The the there are there. Okay, so I will. But bro, one, did you watch Final Cut immediately <laughs> afterwards? No. I didn't. <laughs> Uh, the one I will say there are some there's a couple creative kills the way they handle it mm-hmm. like the the um God what's that one the hanging one the hanging one's fun uh honestly like I like I said in the text message like the 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 best part of the movie is the first like forty seconds and it doesn't last nearly long enough yeah okay yeah uh. And it's just you know after that I just I it I still feel the same way I, that I've always felt about it. It has been a long time since I've watched it, which is why I was rewatching it, and because it was on Shutter, it was I was on like, Shutter, fuck yeah. it. Like, and it pops just... up like right away when you go yeah. on Shutter. It's like, did you want to watch Urban Legend? I was uh, like, I sure do. <laughs> I was like, I sure don't, but fine. <laughs> uh, and and I uh, yeah, it was just as. It just it's just not for me. I'm glad you guys enjoyed, I guess. That's the takeaway from all of this. He's happy that we're happy. I loved it. Yeah. Um I did find rewatching it though that I cannot believe that those people are supposed to be in college. They are old as yeah, balls. They're, they're real yeah. old. They're like old as shit. I, it's funny that you actually said that in the in the message thread because I was literally like as I was watching it, I was just like, God damn it, dude, these kids are like forty. <laughs> <laughs> You've got you've got a uh, uh, fucking Freddy Krueger over here teaching a class to a whole bunch of other people that are just as old as he is, and I'm just like, what is this film? Is this grad Why school? This like, a- I don't understand. Yeah. Also, that's like the fanciest university ever. Yeah, it really is. It's very Ivy League. It is very Ivy League, but it's like a nondescript. Ivy yeah, it's League. like it's like the community college of Ivy Leagues. It's yeah. like if they took like like community like Joel McHale is just inside this school, like <laughs> you know, with a whole bunch of other people creating a comedy. Meanwhile, there's a whole bunch of people getting killed. Getting murdered, yeah. <laughs> That's a movie I'd watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you said you also finished uh, Bly Manor? I did. I did. I really enjoyed it up until the end. Okay. Uh, I thought the end totally ruined that series. Like, absolutely ruined that series. Like, to the point where I'm just like, I don't know that I really care to watch any any other ones that they come out with. I completely disagree. 
Um, I like the the the. I the gothic with... romance that they were going for, and I was actually pretty into it. And then just, I don't know, the whole thing just kind of felt lackluster. Like, I didn't think the twist at the end was any good. Like, I didn't, I just, I I just missed. Like, I was really hooked. I was <laughs> deep. Like, as soon as the, 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 um, the, um, what do you call it? Why is the, the the word escaping me when they end a cliffhanger? The cliffhanger right. at the end of the the, the, the uh, penultimate episode on mm-hmm. that season. I was like, this is actually really good. Right, Why right, don't right. I like the first season? And then the last uh, halfway through the last episode, I was like, this is just I want to claw my eyes out. This episode is so boring. Oh, no. I almost <laughs> yeah, found that like, I thought the shift. last I thought the last episode almost kind of saved it a little bit. Really? Yeah, I almost think the opposite. I mean, it was I, don't, I really wouldn't even consider it like. It was kind of almost just sad, not really. Yeah, scary. you know what? It kind of struck me. Um, what Crimson Peak? Yes. Did you have you seen that? Like, mm-hmm. um, it, it felt like it was borrowing quite liberally from that. Like, very yeah. trying, very hard, trying very hard to be like a gothic, like romance more than anything else. Right. Exactly. Um, and I'm not sure. You know, obviously, because I've only made it about half, not even halfway through the first season. I think I've only ever seen the first like four or five episodes of the first season. Right. Uh. I'm not sure if it goes on like an arc like that, but it doesn't. They're different. They're very different. Um, it just, I I got lost, and I, yeah, the last episode really. It was one of those like I almost viewed it all like, like Game of Thrones, like the, the final oh, no. season of Game of Thrones. Like if 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 you treat. Uh, because there's what like ten episodes, right? Something like that. Ten or eleven, yeah. Yeah. So like, if you treat it like each <laughs> each episode is a season of Game of Thrones, I was like, yeah, 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 and then oh, oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the big the big ones that I walked away from one I don't really think was horror, and you really seem to enjoy it too. Ratchet. Oh yeah. I loved Ratchet. Like the first yes. four episodes of that, I thought were just like I was like, this is just fucking uh, American horror story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where the hell any of this is coming from. And this is so far detached from its source material that I just don't understand what this is. What this is trying to set out and accomplish. And then eventually I just stopped being like, trying to view it as like a prequel to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and just viewed it as its own thing. Yeah. And that's when I was just like, this is actually a pretty compelling show. Yes. And if they did more stuff along the lines of this with American Horror Story, I'd probably be more into American Horror Story than I am. Um, so I really enjoyed Ratchet, but the other one that kind of, um, caught me off guard was actually on Shudder, uh, called The Cleansing Hour. Okay. Yes. Um, really cheesy, really cheesy yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of those that just came out that are kind of in that vein. But a lot of fun. <laughs> like, I haven't seen, like, a decent Exorcist movie in a while, uh, and that I was... I love a good Exorcist movie. That was pretty well done. Uh, so the premise of this is basically, like, this this guy acts like he is doing exorcisms on live streams, and it's really just a whole bunch of paid actors. Okay. And so finally, somebody comes in who's really possessed. Okay. What a twist. And so they try to figure... <laughs> it, it's got uh, that guy from Final Destination in it. Devin Sawa? No, 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 no. <laughs> So hype for a the, the uh, God, what's his name? The the ancillary character, the one who gets hung, who hangs himself oh. in the shower in the first film. Yeah, yep, yep, um, yep. he, he's in it. Uh, and then I've seen I've seen the main character and other stuff, but I can't pinpoint where, and I haven't IMDb to figure out exactly where I've seen him before. Okay, but it, yeah, so somebody finally comes in, and it's it it turns into like this guessing game of like how 
they have to figure out what demon it is that's possessing him, and that's where the hook really lies. Okay. Or they figure out what demon. Yeah, so they think, you know, and it, it turns into, and it, like, dude, he, the so basically the demon is basically like, you know, he possesses the producer's girlfriend, fiance, I think. Okay. And, like, they just propose to each other, and he is, the, the demon is, like, killing the fiancé. Like, every time they don't cooperate, he does something awful to the fiancé's body. Nice. Just, like, makes her just, like, do terrible things to her body. And uh, so he ultimately is, like, you have to do all this uh, to the priest that's been lying. That's not actually a priest. Okay. Uh, he's basically just, like, you have to do all these these terrible things and confess to all of your viewers what you really are. Okay. Uh, and... Yeah, there's some pretty brutal shit <laughs> in, this, in this movie. It's fun. It's fun. It's cheesy as hell, um, but the the ending is what makes the film. All okay, right. I really enjoyed the ending of it. It was it sorry. Was what's this called again? The, the cleansing, cleansing hour. hour. So okay. it came out at the beginning of October. And this yeah. is on Cheddar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, strongly suggest checking it out. It's not more than like maybe a three at best, but it was a really fun three. Fun three. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, those are my two my two uh, big ones. Also, if you're really into cheesy stuff, Hack O' Lantern was um, really dumb, <laughs> but enjoyable right. dumb. Happens. <laughs> That's right. That happens. Mm-hmm. What about you, Alex? Um, I'm trying to think. I watched this movie called Spiral on... Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also incredible. I was, totally forgot about that film. It was really good. Um, was that Hulu or Shudder? That was also Shudder. The Shutter. guys from Frygay were talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, were tweeting about it and how excited they were. And I was like, all right, I'll check it out, see what it's all about. Wow, that, you want to talk about brutal endings. Holy yeah. fuck. Ben and I were like, we kind of started watching it. I didn't really know what to expect. And then we got really drawn into it. And yeah. towards the end, we were both just like... Like jaw dropped jaw, on the yeah, floor. Mouth like, agape. I was like, this is a great movie. <laughs> um, and then we also watched that one on Shutter during Halloween. What was it called? Uh, the, God, the, Lucky. Lucky. Yeah, that was awful. Oh, the late night thing. Yeah. yeah. I remember asking that was you guys about that. Extremely disappointing. Yeah, it was quite bad. It was not even a good movie, and it was very forced. Yeah. It was, the acting was not good. No. Out of all the special movies they could have picked. Wait, Spiral, the new Saw movie? No, 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 no. It's just called Spiral. It's something. It's not Spiral Book of Saw. It's just called Spiral. Or Books of Saw or whatever it is. The Spiral, the one that I watched, I think it's directed by Curtis David Curtis Harder. David Harder. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so it's, it's the it's two that it's 2019, not 2021. Yeah. It. It, it, man, that movie was good. I can't believe I forgot about that. Yeah, that would have been all my suggestions too. Mm-hmm. That movie turned out to be just like a fucking enthralling film. Wasn't it? Yeah. I was not expecting quite that. Quite good. Quite good film. Quite good. Quite good. Yes. What, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Sammy? Uh, so the other night, I finally watched Hubie Halloween. <laughs> Um, and you're absolutely right. It's dumb as shit, but it's funny. It's yeah, so funny. It's, 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 it, it was when the watermelon started getting hurled when he was on the bike. I was like, "This is so fucking stupid." Was it like a ladder at him at one point? It was so weird to see Adam Sandler do like a meta movie about himself. Yeah. Right. Um, but it was fun. It and was everyone a fun just one. hates him so much for no reason. Um, and it's also funny to see like an Oscar-winning actress play his mom. Oh, I know, right? And wear the shirts that she was wearing. <laughs> wow, well, those shirts were incredible. Um, I watched... Her friend. <laughs> just, 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 I watched oh, uh, Bad Hair, which uh, oh, okay. I, th- I think that was on Prime? It was Prime or Netflix, yeah, one of the two. That was on Prime. That was an interesting one. Um, 
they definitely nailed the era. Okay. Uh, like, if you replaced all of the cocaine in New Jack City with, like, television and, right. and just made it about, like, TV, uh, it was pretty spot on. It, some of the kills were pretty good, uh, but the... Like, special effects weren't great. Did that have Vanessa Williams in it? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. The movie had so many fucking... Like, it had such a great cast. Okay. Um, one that I watched uh, yesterday, the day before... i got to look up the name of this thing, because I always say it wrong. Um, Sorry, Bad Hair was on Hulu, not Amazon Hulu. Prime. Yeah, that's right. That's what I started with, Hulu. And it has uh, L. Lorraine, Laverne Cox, Kelly Rowland, Jay Farrow, Vanessa Williams, and James Vanderbeek. Ooh, oh. Oh, that's right, James Vanderbeek, yeah, isn't that, that? that was the weird one with James Vanderbeek that yep. I watched. Uh, what the hell is this movie called? Uh, something about, like, Nobody Sleeps... I think it's called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods. Um, uh, it's a Polish slasher. Uh, lots of people sleep in the woods. It's called yeah. camping. Yeah, well, these people don't. <laughs> um, so I the, do it all the fucking time. I do it all the time. <laughs> so the whole thing with this movie was it's about a bunch of kids who get sent to this camp... Uh, for kids that are fat, n- uh, only one of them. Oh, um, it's not, no! It's, it's not for people that are camp? it's for people that are addicted to like their phones and laptops and computers oh, and everything. It's like the 2020 version of Fat Camp, except it's Phone Camp. Yes. <laughs> so like they all get there, they have to put their phones and their electronics in like these baskets, and the counselors take them away, and then they go for a hike through the woods, and it turns out there's not one but two killers. Uh, two killers in the woods. Are they working together? They are brothers. Oh, okay. Spoiler. Spoiler. Jesus. <laughs> That's not much of a spoiler. Oh, okay. Um, now it's just ger- watch it and be like their brothers. Do you say it's German or Polish? It's Polish, and it's uh, apparently it was touted as like Poland's first slasher movie. <gasps> That's right. Um, you talked about this. Yeah, yeah. it was decent. It, the, my biggest gripe with it was I liked what they were doing. The violence was kept off camera for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Like, you would see, for example, like one of the killers of like that. There was one scene with a wood chipper. Okay. And it made me think a lot of Tucker and Dale. Oh, so they did the college guns. kids throw themselves um, into the wood chipper. No, one of the guys shoves <laughs> a dude into the wood chipper, but you don't really see it. You like you see like blood and viscera kind of dripping out of the other side, but it's not a ton. Okay. Um, and then there's like a wide shot of him just like holding the dude's legs. So it's not like, like Fargo blood. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if they can show it in Fargo, they can show it in slasher movies. You're right. No, like there, there's definitely some like so just shoving the foot in there. <laughs> there's definitely some like violence in this movie, but the if you watch the trailer, I think you see a lot of the like most graphic stuff that's in the movie. Okay. Um, but it wasn't bad. Um, All right. And then there was one other one that I was watching, but I forgot. So, yeah, those are the big ones for me. Okay. Well, that's plenty of stuff for people to go check out if they're not quite over Halloween yet and want to mm-hmm. go uh, check out some stuff that came out in October. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. We're ready to, to jump into to the meat and potatoes of this one and talk about some, some news. Some Let's get headlines. into it. All right. All right, Sam, you wrote it. You take it off. All right, well, I'm going to let you open it up because oh, yeah, yeah, you okay, added okay. this note. Really, all I have to say is uh, the creator of Scooby-Doo passed away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was he old? Obviously. Uh, Ken Spears, yeah, he was 82. Was it the uh, Rona? Did he get Corona canceled? 
No. He passed away from complications related to Louis body dementia. Ooh, that's brutal. Uh, I've got, I know, I know uh, what that is. So it's a form of dementia. Uh, Chip's uncle died from that. Oh, it's, what's it? Is it just like really bad dementia? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cinema Blend has a quote from his son, Kevin, uh, that he released to Variety saying, Ken, Ken will forever be remembered for his wit, his storytelling, his loyalty to family, and his strong work ethic. Ken has not only made a lasting impression on his family, but he has touched countless lives uh, with the, uh, being the creator of Scooby-Doo. Uh, Ken has been the role model for all of us throughout his life, and he will continue to live on in our hearts. And that's true. I mean, Scooby-Doo was a uh, yeah, man. I loved that show growing up. Jesus, I didn't realize that's been around since the 60s. Yeah. Well, you think that show wasn't a product of its time, man? <laughs> but see, he also created some of the ones that I loved a lot that a lot of people like don't remember. Uh, Scooby-Doo's? Uh, so, no, like he... Oh, you're talking specific episodes of Scooby-Doo. No, so Jabberjaw and Dynamite. Oh, yeah, Jabberjaw. Like, a lot of people don't remember those cartoons at all, those. and I love those. I was a big fan of both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like... Jabberjaw. He, he made a lot of shit. Dynamite was the... The dog in the cape, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember. They, uh, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. They yep. used to be on that show all the time. <laughs> well, they, there was a crossover with yeah. the two of them, um, yeah. which was great. I loved it. Well, Dynamite was in like two, or not Dynamite, uh, Jabberjaw was in like two or three episodes, if I remember right. Yeah. And so Harvey, so Harvey, it was Birdman, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law started as something else. Um, and that's where the thing with Dynamite started. And then when they turned it into attorney at law and turned yeah, it into yeah, like, Harvey, Harvey Birdman just used to be a show. Yeah. Uh, and then and then Adult Swim, that was just like part of its early. Right. Because remember, they had Space Ghost Coast to Coast for a while, but that the, didn't really have a home. Yeah. And then, that that used to, to, then they got the Brack Show spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. Because that shit used to just be on at like 10 o'clock on, on Cartoon Network. And my mom always just used to be like, what the fuck is this? There's cursing in this? What the hell <laughs> yeah. is going on? Because well, that, that right was now. like the that was like the precursor to Adult, Adult Swim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they use it as like the bridge into Adult mm-hmm. Swim. Yeah. It was great. I love. Oh, God, I miss Adults. What you what it used to be. Yeah. Like it's yeah. still it's still fun, but I think they're catering to too many fucking acid using right? teenagers. Are there that many kids doing acid? I don't understand. I I mean, home video audience. (laughs) (laughs) They lost me. I mean, let's not pretend like home videos and um, home movies or home movies. Yeah, it's it's first off that shit was on UPN for three seasons and is one of the greatest animated shows. No, that's what I'm saying though. Like. Let's let's not like let's not act like home movies and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I'm sorry, a giant fry are an, is amazing. Are an absolutely <laughs> insane. Those show. are for stoners, not for people on acid. Yeah, dude. Like now they're that's true. What's that new show that's it's on Comedy Central? I think. Oh, with all the day glow. Uh, yeah. TGZG. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, they they're basically that's like some fucking acid trip shit. Yeah, but like Adult Swim has like ninety percent of their content is that now. Like, really? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A whole bunch of their new content is that kind of stuff now, and I mean it's fun in short bursts, but when it's like that's like all they're offering, block. yeah. Because I remember, you know, like they used to, Adult Swim used to have like, God, this is so fucking boomer. When I'm back in my day, when we first <laughs> had Adult Swim. Adult Swim, yeah. Fucking, you know, think about all the, the Venture Brothers. I still have fucking, them on DVDs. It, yeah. Okay. Actually, I think you, you have, I think you took them from me for a little while. I think you have Did a couple I? of them. Oh. Did I? <laughs> That's how you know you're friends with somebody. When yeah. you don't return their shit, and yeah. nobody remembers who has what. Uh, <laughs> what was that one with the two brothers? Yeah, Venture Brothers. No. With the... Oh, shit. What the fuck was that show called? Not 
No. Well, I don't know. Metalocalypse was awesome. Yeah, Metalocalypse, yeah, <laughs> Metalocalypse was awesome. <laughs> the Boondocks. Oh, oh the Boondocks, yeah. 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 That was yeah. that on Adult Swim? Yeah, yeah. it was. That was like a state. People used to like. I I I, could, I could never remember what channel that show was on. Because that was back. That was back when we were in college. Yeah. We, I had friends. Yeah, Mark that, and I just used to stream it. Yeah. Well, I had friends that didn't watch Adult Swim that would literally just like come just into our dorm boondocks. and just watch the Boondocks. Mm-hmm. And the Boondocks was, was one like, of the greatest like shows. Show period. So like no caveat about it being animated or whatever. It's yeah. like one of the greatest shows that's ever been made. Yeah. No. I I I. Uh, I agree with that one, man. Uh, back in its prime, Adult Swim was fucking mm-hmm. classic. Back in our day. Although they still have some good stuff, like fucking, what's the one about like the satanic dog? That shit's so fucking funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Pickles. <laughs> good boy. <laughs> it's just fucking so good, dude. It's so good. But like, you know, I aside from a few, my pretty face is going to hell, or your pretty face is going to hell has some good episodes. Oh, the, the I Henry really, only, yeah, I really, really only watch that for Henry. I think that show's called Mr. Pickles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it. Yeah, is it called I, Mr. Pickles? Okay, maybe it's it just is. Mr. Pickles. All right. <laughs> uh, that show's pretty fun. Yeah, there's there's like still some good stuff so they, there. They did like, some really weird like one-off things that were fucking brilliant. Uh, Ugly Americans. Oh yeah. Although that might have been Comedy Central. I think, I think that, that was, was Comedy, Comedy Central. Because um, that was good. Yeah, but it lasts like that it was lasts two for, like seasons, two seasons yeah. and that yeah. was it. Yeah. I don't know. Animation has a hard hard time. Catching on, yeah. Uh, but we said we were going to talk about anything that wasn't right. on the list, and here we are so talking about stuff. I told almost. you, get <laughs> moving. So uh, Andre Overdahl comes out in uh, an interview with Coming Soon, talking about uh, his adaptation to Stephen King's The Long Walk, and drops a little mention of the sequel to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, And he says that we've got a great new story and some fun scary stories implemented in a good way. I'm very excited about the sequel. I shouldn't say... Oh, so that is coming. Mm -hmm. It is coming. And he says, I shouldn't say, and I can't really... You never know what you can and cannot say about these things. It's hard to talk about this at this stage. I know it's been out there in the public already, but I can't give away too much. He said, I am part of the writing process... Uh, or of developing. I'm not writing it because it's Dan and Kevin who wrote the first one, but I'm definitely part of the development process on this one. Uh, and the original script was developed for Guillermo to originally direct. Uh, other news for movies that we've recently talked oh, about exciting. that have kind mm-hmm. of fallen off the map is The Green Knight officially getting an R rating for violence, <laughs> some sexuality, and graphic nudity. But right. That's that new A24 one, right? Yes, yeah. it is. David Lowry's new flick from A24, but we still have no idea when it's getting released or... Uh, Anything else, because it was supposed to come out in May, and uh, everything kind of fell off the bandwagon right around mm-hmm. then. That's uh, more, it's, it's not like true horror, though, right? Like, it's no. dark fantasy or something, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Because uh, it's about, I think, like, it's Vikings the, or some shit. No, or, it's one of the... Uh, um, Arthurian Arthur, legends. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Uh, in other A24 news, and this one will perk up Palmer's ears, they are funding Ty West's new movie. Hell yeah. With Deadline reporting that his next film is simply titled X. Nice. Uh, additionally, according to Deadline, they reported that Mia Goth from Suspiria, Scott Mascuti from Creepshow are on board to star, along with Jenny Ortega, who is in The Babysitter 2, uh, another one I recently watched. Uh, and uh, she's in negotiations currently. Uh, I'm really curious because I thought Mia Goth and Jenny Ortega both did really well. I know I was a little higher on her with Suspiria, I think, than you yeah, were. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Deadline says plot details are being kept under wraps and it's expected to bear similarities to West's past films that put him on the map and confirm that Ty West is writing so and going, directing the film. He's, he's going back to like ghosts. Yeah. And, 
demons. He, he has such like a very specific type of movie too, which I like. Yeah, because I just he's I got was, a style. Uh, I was not a fan of that one that was basically like the Jonestown cult <laughs> oh, that he did. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but I, yeah, think, I was not yeah. a huge fan of that film. Eric Pham, who's known for his special effects work on Grindhouse and Sin City, is finally getting his own horror movie. Uh, this one's called Flay, and is getting a limited theatrical release and then showing up on VOD uh, in a couple of weeks, November 17th. Uh, there's a trailer available for it on Bloody Disgusting. Uh, what did you think about the trailer? Uh, I think the special effects look decent. For the, a guy that's known for special effects. Okay. The um, movie th- trailer was okay. Yeah. I the th- poster is horrendous. Yeah. It is one of the worst movie posters I've ever seen in my life. I mean, yeah. Have I you don't... seen that recent Steven Seagal movie poster? Because that shit is, like, actually an abomination. Dude, I think he's just trying to decorate his house, man. Give the give give Sheriff oh, Seagal a break. That's Isn't it pretty terrible? Bad. That's it's, pretty it's bad. bad. It's, it's it supposed trailer, to be fuzzy? The trailer is not much better. So, again, like, the special effects work in the trailer looks solid, the rest of it doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, uh, this movie has been stuck in development or release hell. It's been developed for a while, but it got stuck in release hell because it got tied up in a lawsuit with Sony uh, due to out the poster. <laughs> yeah, probably. Are they going to start crowdfunding for it? They might. Um, Sony was apparently uh, fighting them with their release of Slender Man back in August. They do look kind of the same yeah so this movie finally got the green light to get released and the story follows an estranged daughter who after the death of her mother struggles to save her brother and those around her from a malevolent faceless spirit kind of sounds like slender man if kinda you ask sounds me. Like slender man. i don't know i'm not paying any more money to people's stupid movies <laughs> <laughs> tell us how you really feel dude <laughs> just kidding well for other people's stupid movies then you end up with stuff like this so Wes Craven's 1991 film The People Under the Stairs is getting a Jordan Peele approved remake with Collider uh, I'd pay money for that saying that though Jordan is not expected to direct the film himself it remains unclear whether he and or Rosenfeld will have a hand in writing the script so this might just be a monkey paw production it mm-hmm. might have Jordan Peele writing it nobody's really sure yet but there's finally some movement on The People Under the Stairs why did okay. you go, why did you grimace? Do you not think that this is going to be good? I don't. You, you don't care to see this remade? Hot take. Yeah, you don't think that. I don't think the original one's very good. Okay. I don't know why we need a remake of this film. <laughs> to maybe make it good. Yeah, maybe we can make it good. The original one has its moments. Yes. But it's not. Is it really a? It, you know what? I'm just going to shut up before we get a whole bunch of messages about how fucking wrong I am and how I need to jump off. Oh, my God. Everyone tell Palmer how wrong he is. <laughs> <laughs> he can read your comments on his way back up to Ohio. I can. I'll just, I'll just drive my car off a mountainside. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what you've got the thing on the on your uh, interface for you. It'll read yeah. the text to you. It'll, in robot voice. Yeah, that's what I did on, Go the, on the way Go kill yourself, Palmer. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. no that, that's why I said I was going to drive my car off the side. Because oh, okay. a whole bunch of people were just going to tell me. Instead of navigation, just turn right. Just drive right off the cliff. <laughs> turn left and kill yourself, Palmer. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for me to do that in the mountains of West Virginia. I'll tell you what. Uh, I mean, uh, if you're going to die, please don't die in West Virginia. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have to drive all the way up there to come pick you up. Uh, I'm leaving you there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. If you die in there, West Virginia. There are some places like... Mm-hmm. Mary Beth's family's got like a cabin that's not even in West Virginia. It's on the fucking yeah. border. It's close enough where I don't want to cross that border. Well, you guys go camping right outside yeah. of the border. I actually, I actually quite like West Virginia. I think, <laughs> again, I think it it's, depends on the part. It's yeah. far. It does. Their capital's nice. I really like the capital. Yeah, stuff. I actually quite like um, West Virginia. 
Well, in our seemingly episodic What is Nick Cage Doing Now segment, uh, this week we get to talk about Willy's Wonderland, uh, formerly titled Wally's Wonderland. A uh, 15-second teaser was released along with a full plot outline and a 2021 scheduled release date. And uh goes a little something like this. Nick Cage plays the janitor who finds himself stranded in a remote town, unable to pay the repair shop to fix his Jeep. He agrees to work off his debt by spending the night cleaning Willy's Wonderland, an abandoned theme park full of animatronic characters that were once a beacon of fun for children to play with. Amazing. Can you clean my Willy? <laughs> it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's a wonderful Dude, I'll bet you a dollar that line is in this movie. But Willy's Wonderland carries a dark secret that the janitor is about to discover. He's been lured into a deadly trap, or rather a living nightmare, as the Wonderland's animatronic characters come to life to destroy him. And the janitor is forced to fight his way from one monster to another, trying to survive until morning. And the janitor doesn't play nice. Uh, the 15-second trailer for this looks phenomenal. It looks incredible, and I wish I could say that I haven't been this aroused since Mandy, but I've been sporting an erection for, like, the last four days. People just... wrote in the comments that, like, they feel like uh, Nick Cage is just taking every movie now. Why, is, why do people think this is new? He's been doing this for well over a decade. But I also feel The like dude he... owned and sold a castle yeah. because he went bankrupt. <laughs> he has more fucking weird... At one point, he had more fucking weird animals than Joe Exotic. But it's I true. feel like he. I feel like some of the movies that he's it's the Cajasons. Well, but they, he, he's picking good movies. He's picking good like, movies now. Ghost Rider is a thing of the past. Yeah, people. Man. move over. He's an uh, Oscar-nominated actor. There was somebody who wrote an article somewhere that I read recently that was like, in defense of Ghost <laughs> oh, Rider no. being the Halloween superhero we need, and I about ready to want to read that same article. I think it was on Bloody Disgusting. I it think was. it might have been Brad Misko, which is no, just further reason you. for me to want to kill that man. But anyways, keep going. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so yeah, I'm super stoked for this one. It looks really, really good. Uh, and once this comes out, I'm gonna just do the trilogy. It's gonna be Mandy, Mandy and Colors. Colorado Space and this. And yeah. I'm, those are just gonna be the only movies I watch from now on. Uh, That's cool. That's ne- cool. Next up, and Palmer, you can kind of tune out for now until this ends up being better than Revenge was. Danielle Harris is directing a new horror movie titled Sequel, because uh, that's not confusing. And it's billed as a darkly comedic and all-female slasher with Joe Dante uh, producing and James Moran uh, writing the script. Speaking with filmmaker Mickey Keating for Instinct Magazine, Harris provided some plot details for Sequel, teasing the ultimate final girl horror film. Saying, I've directed a film in the past, but now I'm directing a horror film that is the ultimate final girl horror film. It's about final girls who have survived mass murders in rural areas, probably West Virginia, <laughs> who are going to come together for the ultimate battle. The girls are written, and it's fire. Imagine Wait. if all of the final girls got together. Imagine if Heather Langenkamp was in a movie with other final girls, because that's what this is. Are the other are the final girls fighting the other final girls? Is I'm it a not final sure. girl duel? I don't want to say final girl ever again. Can I can I just say real quick one? Mm-hmm. Daniel Harris, I'm already pretty in on this. Uh, yeah. Two, James Moran wrote the script for this film. Is that yeah? Who did, is that did Doctor Who? Yeah, uh, he did like some of the best episodes of Torchwood. I didn't watch that. No. And, I don't know and, what that is. And your boy Joe Dante from Gremlins oh, is producing. Yay. Mm. Mm. This right. is, I feel like this is probably going to be pretty good. So I'll keep an eye on this. Uh, Did they say, I'm sorry, when it's supposed to come out? No, no. idea yet. Uh, but my guess it'll be sometime next year. Okay. Right. Uh, speaking of stuff coming out next year, Bloomhouse has announced their next batch of Prime movies that are coming out in early 2021. Uh, we get four more for the intro to horror thing that they seem to be doing right now over on Prime. Uh, they're called The Manor, Black as Night, Madres, and Bingo. So in The Manor... Uh, it takes place in a nursing home where something supernatural is preying on the residents. 
Uh, Black mm-hmm. as Night is about a teenage girl with self-esteem issues finding confidence in the most unlikely way by spending her summer battling vampires that prey on New Orleans disenfranchised with the help of her best friend. Madres is about a, a Mexican-American couple expecting their first child who re- relocate to a migrant farming community in 1970s California. Oh, 1970s. I was like, this isn't accurate. They would have been taken away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so fucked up. <laughs> well, no, the, they, they wouldn't have been taken away. The child's not born yet. You can't separate the child and stick the child uh, in the okay. kitchen. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can. If we had four, can. four more years, we might, we yeah. might have seen just you that. You could see what they could do in four years. Uh, and bingo, in the barrio of Oak Springs, Live a strong and stubborn group of elderly friends who refuse to be gentrified. Uh, so I imagine it's kind of our future. Um, what's a barrio? Yeah. What is in the barrio? In the barrio of Oak it's, Springs, what's a barrio? It's where Mario goes drinking, dude. Like, Isn't it just pro- like a Latin, specifically like predominantly Latin neighborhood? Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I'll mention these again as we uh, get to them being released. Over okay. on the TV streaming side, Uh, As I mentioned, I can say that I finally contributed to this. Uh, So Hubie Halloween is Netflix's most popular movie of all of 2020. Uh, Alex, you introduced us to this little gem. Uh, So according to Variety, uh, it is the highest ranking movie of 2020 in the United States, beating out every other Hollywood movie and TV show. And the only Netflix offering that managed to outperform it in any way was the Polish drama 365 Days. What? There's a... Polish drama on Poland's pumping out movies. Netflix called 365 Days. People need to just pause and reflect on the fact that no matter what, Adam Sandler is a fucking powerhouse. (laughs) This is is. this is why they doubled down after his first four movies and said you're going to make four more. And that was before Uncut Gems. Oh, Uncut Gems was so good. Like they they extended his contract before Uncut Gems got snubbed. You want to know why he keeps doing shit like this? Because Uncut Gems got snubbed. Because well, yeah, every time he tries <clears throat> to do something serious, yeah. Philadelphia, dude. Nobody takes him seriously. Fucking nobody ever takes him seriously. Yeah. And then Punch Drunk Love, well, no, that got that got a, yeah. at least a nomination, Spanglish. right? Like, yeah. There's a whole bunch of shit that he's done where he's really been trying to take people. Yeah. He's, he's like, all right, I'll be a serious actor in this role. And then his, people are just like, and instead, and instead, make Happy Gilmore 3. And instead, <laughs> the, the movies that people watch are the ones of him just hanging out with his friends. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? It was fun this time. It, it was, was fun, fun this time. time. It was really fun this, this time. I, so it's not I, fun all the time, but this one was no, fun. No, it's not fun all the I've time. Watched the fir- I watched the first four Netflix movies he did. Uh-huh. Uh, what the hell was the one with the West, the Western one? The hate, the, No, not the Hateful Eight. The uh, fucking uh, Magnificent, Magnificent Seven. Six or Seven. Or, no. What? Magnificent Seven is a classic. No, fucking... Ridiculous Six. Yeah, that's okay. it. That's yeah. it. That movie was just racism. Yeah. <laughs> so like that that movie might as well have just been Quentin Tarantino being Quentin Tarantino yeah. by himself. Yeah. Uh, but there, the one that he did, I think it was with David Spade, uh, where he was in witness protection, like had its funny moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, Adam Sandler is going to keep doing Adam Sandler things, but Hubie yeah. Halloween uh, will forever be immortal now. Yeah. Uh, Next, a uh, little bit of Walking Dead news, because I feel like we haven't talked about it enough. Does anybody still watch The Walking Dead? I don't know. Uh, Even Ben doesn't watch it. Apparently not. the last person I knew. <laughs> apparently not, because Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real-life wife is going to come play his fake-life wife. Oh. Uh, so apparently the only people that watch Walking Dead are the people that are in Walking Dead. So uh, <laughs> Negan's wife, Lucille, is going to be showing up in the uh, additional episodes of season 10. Wait, his wife's name is Lucille? I thought that was what his bat's name so, was called. So... 
his bat is named after his deceased wife. Did this shit just get like super meta? Wait, so his wife is coming back as a so, zombie? Hillary Burton Morgan has been cast in the role of Lucille. Uh, as a guest star, she'll be appearing in one of the additional six episodes that are coming to AMC in early 2021. And she okay. went on Twitter and tweeted, it's been pretty hard to keep this a secret, but I love working with at J.D. Morgan. I would assume she loves working with her husband. Uh, I love watching him become Negan and take on that swagger. And I love the Walking Dead family. They've been a part of our family for ages, and I'm grateful for their kindness. Uh, apparently, she's going to show up in a bunch of flashbacks. For oh, that understand. would make sense. Okay. Look, not everybody wants to work with their husband. Every time I've ever pitched, like, Kelly, you and I could, like, work together and so and so doing such oh, a She probably like, just starts she's, laughing and walks away. She's like, fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I would never. She's like, I can't. I don't want to do it. It's eight hours that I have to, eight hours more that I have to spend time with you. And, yeah. and every time, every time. Without a fail. tear, a tear comes to my eyes, like the old like Native American commercials that we used to see for littering. <laughs> just, just... Except you are the piece of trash. Except that I... does not... <laughs> yes. And Kelly doesn't want to be anywhere near you. Not at all. <laughs> Next up, Castle Rock is dead and buried. So Sad. according to Deadline, there were no expectations initially for a third installment, and the decision to end the series after two seasons was made a while ago. Once. Lies. One of the first suppliers of Hulu, uh, after it branched out into premium original content, Warner Brothers has focused its attention to supplying recently launched sibling HBO Max. HBO Max is getting some killer shit, dude. It is. Uh, I've been happy to have that. Uh, it's kind of added to my streaming list, but there are no plans for Castle Rock to move to HBO Max. So yes. Castle Rock should be dead and gone. They're focusing on too many other powerhouses. Indeed, they are. <laughs> powerhouses. <laughs> Alex, this one's for you. Oh, for me? For you. Also from Deadline, they're reporting that Clive Barker is going to executive produce the first ever Hellraiser TV series. I'm excited. Which we did announce back in the spring. So it is a... Uh, we we did mention this earlier in the year, but it is official. Clive Barker is executive producing, and it's the first time he's had uh, credited involvement with the Hellraiser adaptation <sighs> since 96's Bloodline. Isn't this for HBO? I think it is. It. I believe that this is for HBO I think this Max. Is for HBO I be- Max. There's a powerhouse. <laughs> there is a reason that I organized all of my Max. notes this way. Is everything just kind of bleeds into one another? <laughs> okay. oh, I thought I'd give you my login for it. No. Oh no. I'll give you my login for it. It's okay. fine. The only reason we have it is because of my wife. All right. Um, Thank you. Because you're going to give me your Disney Plus, and then you said you don't have it anymore. Well, I forgot to ask her if we still have it, okay. so I'll ask her. What, about how can too. you not have it anymore, dude? Mandalorian season two just started. I mean, that's cool. I didn't watch the first one. Oh. Um, <laughs> but according to Deadline, really one of the best television shows of of 2019. Yeah, Ben was really excited when I told him we were getting Disney Plus because really? he wanted to watch it. Because he wants to watch it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I, track it down. I think we've got it. Um, okay. I'll track that down. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to cut you off my shutter. Damn. Like, you're going to change your password or something. That's actually going to be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to swap the letters and the numbers. Instead of password 123, it's going to be password 321. <laughs> no, it's going to be 123 password. <laughs> she could show you guys. <laughs> Quit telling everyone my password. Nobody has my bank account information. <laughs> um, <laughs> the but, S is a dollar sign. Okay. <laughs> That's how you know it's secure. <laughs> it stands for security. It's password, but the S is <laughs> it's uh, But regarding Hellraiser, the idea is to create an elevated continuation and expansion of oh, the well-established expel mythology. It, ex- it is by no means a remake. Expand it. 
no, by no means a remake, but rather assumes the past mythology to be a given. So the centerpiece obviously remains Pinhead, the pincushion-headed merciless leader of the Cenobites. The formerly humans turned demons that live in... Everybody knows what Cenobites are. Yeah, if you uh, don't know at this point, then just go kill yourself. Uh, Clive Barker did say in a statement, I'm delighted the Hellraiser mythology is seeing a new life. It's time the stories went back to their roots. I'm eager to bring a new audience, the most powerful and ancient elements of horror, the darkest evil invading our human lives, and how we must find in ourselves the power to resist it. There remains one question. Okay. Who's going to play Hellraiser? Doug Bradley coming back? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the question. That's the same thing we've been arguing about for years. I don't think so. I mean, we, we interviewed Doug Bradley. We're friends with Doug Bradley. We should just reach out and yeah, ask Yeah, we look him. pretty much like our best <laughs> We're friends with Doug Bradley. The impression that I got from when we interviewed us was that he was definitely just doing us a favor. <laughs> I don't think he necessarily liked us. <laughs> but I don't care in my no, mind. No, we're bros now. Dude. Yeah, we're bros now. He told us all about his wrestling stuff. Yeah, we're, we're totally in. Um... Are you afraid of the dark? I got him a coffee. Yeah, you got him a coffee. <laughs> and I paid for it. You did pay for it. That, yeah, was, he... that was the price of admission for an interview. <laughs> it was a cappuccino, too. No, it was a latte. It was a latte. You better remember that for interview number two. <laughs> Uh, premiering in 2021, Nickelodeon has announced the all-new cast for their second season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm. The newest members of the Midnight Society include Bryce Gaysar from The Astronauts in Wonder, Arjun Athalie, Beatrice Kitsos uh, from Child's Play and I, Zombie, Malia Baker from The Babysitter's Club, Dominic Marish from... A uh, couple of things that I've never heard of. The and, Christmas Yule blog. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and Parker Queenan from Party of Five. Like, uh, Jesus Christ, what? Yeah. What? Um, in season two, which will consist of an expanded six episodes, this new group of kids tell a terrifying tale about a curse that has been cast over their small seaside town haunted by an all-new villain named the Shadow Man. The season's written by J.T. Billings, uh, who also serves as co-executive producer and showrunner. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, another second season update. The Rat provided a list of the newest cast members for the upcoming Creep Show season. Uh, some of the names that you're gonna see on screen uh, include Barbara Crampton. Oh yeah, there you go. Allie Larder, Ryan oh. Quentin, Quentin, uh, Iman Benson, C. Thomas Howell, Denise Crosby, Brecken Meyer, who I didn't even realize was still alive. Uh, Ted Ramey, Kevin Dillon, and Eric Edelstein have all joined the cast. Shutter also revealed initial details about four of the season's new segments, which will be directed by Greg Nicotero himself. Uh, Anna Camp and Adam Pally will star in Shapeshifters Anonymous, parts so one and two. that's going to be a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one is based on a short story by J.A. Conrath uh, about an unlucky soul who finds himself in need of a werewolf support group. Uh, Keith David, uh, Ashley Lawrence, and Josh McDermott from The Walking Dead will all star in Pesticide, written by Frank Dietz, in which an exterminator makes an infernal bargain. And Model Kid, written by returning creep show writer John Esposito, is about a 12-year-old monster fan who turns to a hand-built model kit to escape his unhappy reality. Mm. Uh, and Joe Lynch will also be directing a as-of-yet-unnamed episode. Mm-hmm. Is Brecken Meyer the guy from Road Trip? Yes. And Clueless? The guy with the face? Was he in Clueless? Yes, he was. He was a skateboarder. Yeah, that's okay, that's who that is? Okay. Mm-hmm. He uh, was quite good in Road Trip. I mean, everybody was good in Road Trip. That's yeah. true. That's that where DJ Qualls really blew <laughs> up. <laughs> Tom Green was amazing in Road Trip. That would be so good. That's one of the only movies I still have on DVD. <laughs> Dude, that was like one of the first movies I ever got on DVD. Right? <laughs> 
Did you happen to see the creep show? Uh, the animated, animated special? Yeah, it was good. It was How good. Was it? Uh, the first one genuinely um, made me very uncomfortable. Really? Um, all right. Uh, the second one was fine. Okay. Okay. But the first one, uh, what's like his name? Uncomfortable. From where, like in retrospect, it's like a like like it was good that it made you feel uncomfortable, or like uncomfortable. Oh, like that's I mean, it was it was shit. it was good. No, it was good. Uh, it was one of those just like you get the fucking heebie-jeebies, the heebie-jeebies. dude. Like, <laughs> uh, what's his name from Twenty Four? Isn't it? Uh, he does the voice acting for it. Uh, the main character from Twenty Four. Jack Bauer. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. Jack Bauer Donald is the Sutherland. character. Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland, Sutherland is the voice actor for that. He does quite. He does a quite good Come job. On, um, yeah, the first part was was truly worth watching. The second part's fine. Price okay. of admission type of thing, I guess. Okay. Uh, next up, Stranger Things has resumed filming uh, for season four, which means photos from the set have begun to make their way onto social media. And the most noticeable thing that people are talking about right now is a new character mm. played by Levon Hawk, brother of Maya Hawk, uh, who is... Uh, Letting our hair take over and challenge Steve Father is six for who's got the biggest hairdo in this season. Hell yeah. Who does? Who's having big hair? Uh, Maya Hawk. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. At least from the pictures that I saw that are available on Twitter. So, Levon Hawk's character, uh, don't have any information about who or what he's playing, uh, but he looks really weird. Uh, <laughs> maybe a big fan of Joker. Huh? Not entirely sure. Uh, strange look, but we'll find out. Uh, and it's. I'm pulling shouldn't up be too, images of this guy right now. It shouldn't now. be too terribly he, far away now that they, they've started filming again. For some reason, the, the photos on Twitter are now blocked. Are they really? Well, the tweets are protected. He has a lot. Whoever is oh, damn, Twitter account. He probably tweeted, tweeted out some stuff he shouldn't have been tweeting out. Yep. Like his wiener. Or people, didn't, people didn't like what he Who had to say. Who did that recently? Who tweeted out a picture of their wiener, their dick recently? Oh, Somebody big. Yeah, it was. Um, Captain America. Really? Yeah. Chris Evans? Chris Evans yep. tweeted out some photos of his cock. Oh, uh, I did hear he about did. that, actually. You're right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this person, uh, now they only have two followers. His red, white, and boner. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> that's, that's America's dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fourth and final season of Sabrina is coming just in time for the end of the year, yes. allowing us to all binge together on December 31st, just in time for the apocalypse. Oh, thank God. Uh, so, according to Netflix's own press release, Sabrina Spellman is back one last time to raise your spirits and defeat all the Eldritch Terrors this New Year's Eve. Over the course of part four's eight episodes, the Eldritch Terrors will descend upon Greendale, and the Coven must fight each terrifying threat one by one. Hell yeah. All leading up to the Void, which is the end of all things. As the witches wage war with the help of the Fright Club, Nick begins to slowly earn his way back into Sabrina's heart. But will it be too late? I like this is going to be good because it's going to be like a Monster of the Week episode, you know what I mean? Which I really liked when they had those kind of episodes. I'd really, <clears throat> I'd really like to see this like the at the end of the series when the Void hits, just cuts to a small town sheriff uh-huh. running over somebody in the middle of a road. Uh-huh. And then finally they have to take them to a hospital. And everything just goes to shit from there on, and we get the movie The Void, (laughs) right? And that's how it happens. I mean, you can make that happen. You can just queue up The Void, and as soon as you finish the last episode, it just automatically starts. Somebody, somebody's homework should be to figure out the best place to cut the final episode of Sabrina so it goes into the (laughs) void void. flawlessly. I can do that. We can 
I'm, I'm sure we can figure something out there. I'm definitely going to be watching this. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to watch all of it the day before I'm assuming the world's going to end because, mm. you know, it just seems appropriate. Uh, next up, James Wan is executive producing Archive 81, a supernatural horror series that's already received an eight-episode order over at Netflix. Does James Wan direct anything anymore? No, it's just so. it's just Atomic Monster just producing everything. Hmm. Uh, he's I'm disappointed by me that. Me too. I mean, he might he might direct every once in a while. It's very rare though. Keep but going. I mean, I'm Jordan pull, I'm Jordan Peele is not directing a ton of stuff. Who? He, Jordan Peele. He's not directing a ton of stuff. But he's Monkey, got another movie on the way. He does, but that's his third movie, right? But he's. I mean. So I mean, it's still Monkey Paw is just attached to everything producing. It's just supporting so that stuff. He, yeah, he still directs stuff, <clears> but there's kind of been a. A little break from like 2018 to now. Yeah. Um, but this is going to be loosely inspired by the found footage horror podcast of the same name, Archive 81. We'll star Jurassic World Dominion and Underwater's Mamadou Afi with Altered Carbon alumna Dina Shahabi. Uh, oh, Altered Carbon was a great show. I, I wish f- that show would come back, but I think that one's dead as well. I forgot he's doing Malignant. Yep. Yeah. I was just looking at that. And Aquaman 2. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so in this series in this series when archivist dan turner takes a mysterious job restoring a collection of damaged videotapes from 1994 he finds himself reconstructing the work of documentary filmmaker melody pendris and her investigation into a dangerous cult as dan is drawn into melody's story he becomes convinced he can save her from the terrifying end she met 25 years ago and the original archive 81 podcast was created by mark solinger and daniel powell who are serving as co-producers on this netflix series if anybody is interested in syndicating and making uh episodes <laughs> out of our podcast please get in touch with me oh my gosh uh, i don't want people to <laughs> I don't know who would play me. <laughs> I don't feel like it's going to be flattering. <laughs> oh, uh, now I'm I, just thinking about who would play you guys. I mean, Seth I, Rogen. Oh, that's a good that's one. That's actually that is a good one. Yeah, right that's here. a good one. <laughs> I mean, mine, I feel like mine's Paul Giamatti, but he's pretty busy. He's too days. old. That's true. Paul Giamatti's way too old. That's true. But I look. I mean, Sam look looks old. 40 years older than yeah. he actually <laughs> does. It's all the gray. It's this big gray stripe on Your my face. Your face doesn't look old, though. Well, thank you, Alex. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Of course. I like that you guys agreed with Seth Rogen on that. Yeah. Seth Rogen's a good one. That's I think a great one. I think it's a really good pick. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about this off air. Keep yeah. going. Uh, Ginger <laughs> Snaps is heading to the small screen now with mm. Deadline reporting that Sid Gentle Films and Copperheart Entertainment are teaming up for the series, uh, saying that the project is executive produced by John Fawcett co-creator and director of the original film with Anna Samoyaba from Gorilla on board to script the adaptation. Uh, Ginger Snaps the Show is going to tell the story of sisters Ginger and Bridget who are self-imposed outcasts in their hometown. Mm. Inseparable and fascinated with the macabre, they make a pact to escape their sleepy suburban home by 16 or else take their own lives because, you know, those are really your only two options. Uh, But on the night of her first period, Ginger is attacked and infected by a werewolf which unleashes the monstrous kind of puberty, and Bridget can't understand this new version of her sister who's violent and sexual. Why well, has always got to be on your first period? <laughs> I, Dude, I, thought it was, I thought it was bears anyway. I thought bears smelled the menstruation. Why is it werewolves? It, was <laughs> it attracts bears. Uh, as a bloody trail begins to form in Ginger's wake and probably underwear, Bridget must find a way to curb her sister's new cravings or risk losing her forever. No so, word yet on production or release time. So it only happens when she gets her period? 
Because couldn't she just get like the like? I don't think it only she happens get when she IUD? gets her period. <laughs> I think it's just she gets attacked when she's on her first oh, period. Okay, so she's not, okay, okay. So it's not like she only turns into a werewolf when she's on her period. No, but like, if that was it, that would be pretty funny. Well, then she gets to get an IUD and be fine. What if How that confusing was... would that be? Like, it's not a full moon, but she's a werewolf because she's on her period. <laughs> I was going to say, what if that was actually the lore? Like, <laughs> werewolves only happen on, on the night of a period. Because as we turn towards 2021, most people still have no idea how women's anatomy works. Right? When your flow is at its heaviest, you will turn into the beast. <laughs> uh, we're going to wrap up this week's headlines with a little bit of collector stuff. So George Romero's Dawn of the Dead is finally on the way next month from Second Sight Films, releasing on the 16th. Uh, so that would actually be this month. Uh, the set will be available in Blu-ray f- and 4K Ultra HD versions and includes all sorts of stuff, such as a new commentary track on the U.S. theatrical cut, a new hour-long documentary special, a uh, previously unreleased archive interview with George Romero himself, a 13-minute featurette with Tom Savini, who talks about the makeup effects, a uh, 2014 documentary, The Dead Will Walk, various other brand-new interviews and featurettes on this four-disc monstrosity, uh, and comes with a 150-page hardback book and the movie's novelization. There is a ton of stuff uh, with this one. So you've got the theatrical cut on one disc, uh, the extended, extended con cut on another disc, You've got the Argento cut on yet another disc. Uh, then you've got the fourth disc just full of special features. Uh, and then three different audio CDs plus the 150-page book and a poster. So ton of stuff for this. Uh, it's it's uh, 100 bucks in the U.S. for the 4K Ultra set. Uh, we only get the 4K Ultra HD set here. Uh, UK gets options for that or Blu-ray. Uh, but you can find it over at uh, Zavi, which tends to have all of the collector stuff available. Uh, and it is available for pre-order now. And again, expected release date is November 16th. You know what I just realized? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I still haven't gotten my copy of uh, mm-hmm. An American Werewolf in London. Didn't you order that like a long time ago? Yeah, I'm checking the receipt now, but it's all in German, so I can't <laughs> I don't know what any Does of it anybody says. speak German? <laughs> <laughs> You know who could play you in a movie? Hmm. Joaquin Phoenix. If he had, if he shaved his head, he is a bit yeah, like yeah, you. Yeah, if he shaved his head. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I can see that. Shaved his head. He does. He does, I feel like he does tall, have a good though. beard. Yeah, but like if they put you on a chair for a podcast film, it's not going to matter, right? That's true. Also, like height's not so important. Standing next to Palmer, I feel like that's one of my identifying qualities. Is that's that just... short. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. This is the second time. You're the second woman who's told me that height isn't important, but every single person I have ever dated has been like, I love that you're so tall. No, no, so no. Tall. I mean, height's not important for the movies when people are playing uh, us. Like, okay. okay, 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 okay I feel okay. like it works backwards, though, because, thought, yes, Tom Cruise is five foot two, but he gets to look like he's seven <laughs> feet tall. But I, it's like, you can't make Vince Vaughn look short. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Oh. You absolutely can. How do you think they got half the actors in The Hobbit to look yeah. short as they do? Yeah, doesn't count. That's fucking... <laughs> well, and the guy who played... Dum- uh, I was going to say Dumbledore. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> he, like, had to film a He's lot of gay, the movie. you know. Oh, yeah. He had to film a lot of the movie on his own because yeah. they to make him look smaller. Apparently, he was, like, really lonely during, like, the whole yeah. filming of Aww. Lord of the Rings. Poor guy. R.I.P. Rip. Well, that's all of the headlines for this week. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. This is what happens when 
we only do an episode every two weeks. We got Sam, lots you're, to say. You're acting like you just like shorted our listeners. <laughs> That's all the headlines that we had this week. But we have literally Sorry, spent guys. the last forty minutes talking about the headlines. So I feel like that's know, average. That is average. That is average. That's actually like. Uh, Probably we probably spend longer normally talking about the headlines. He didn't let us ramble. Did you notice that he kept the pace? I like it. I should. Do I've that been more listening often. to I've, because I've been at home by myself all the time. I've been listening to podcasts constantly, and I've noticed that like you always have room to like go off and go into tangents. But at some point, you got to get back on track. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to reel them in. I could just tangent all damn day. Yeah. Yep. That's my skill. That's my and skill. that's that's when people start to tune out. No, I think they. I been... feel like that's for us. That's when they start to really tune in. Yeah, I think people like that. <laughs> Sam said, "What?" <laughs> they just want to hear me pick famous actors for all of my friends. You are. Well, the who would play you though? Who's gonna play you? I don't know. Who I like play you? I don't know. I don't do me. I do other people. <sighs> I got it. No, is it in? <laughs> who is it? And this is how you're finally gonna get her to respond to you. <gasps> Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. So you guys get to. Be... <laughs> To be thirty, you know. Late I picked Paul Giamatti for myself. You get to be late thirties, early forties. I, I, I get Paul to be Giamatti. Kathy fucking Bates. <laughs> I picked Paul Giamatti. Don't even act like I picked a young person for myself. I was thinking it, but I didn't say it. You were thinking that I should <laughs> I be th- Kathy Bates. I was thinking it. I was I just trying to it. do you a favor so you could finally meet her and talk to her. <laughs> Fuck both and of again, you. I pick Paul Giamatti for myself. Whatever. You guys don't get you guys aren't as good at this as no, I am. You're I'm right. terrible you're at right. this. I'm awful at this, and that is the takeaway at all of this. That we are we are terrible and that Alex is the talent here. So we're gonna move <laughs> on and salvage this before she bumps us both right in the dick. shit all right so interestingly it seems that uh in the one movie theater here in town that's apparently still open you can actually see half these movies that are coming out which is pretty weird uh so starting with they reach which hit streaming services on november 3rd a 13 year old girl unknowingly unleashes a demonic entity from a possessed reel-to-reel player uh she and her two friends must find a way to defeat the demon before more people in the quaint town of clarkston disappear did she let it out on her first period (laughs) possibly i'm honestly more impressed that a 13 year old actually figured out what the fuck a reel-to-reel is and how to work it yep um (laughs) that's true (laughs) on november 6th we got the dark and the wicked in theaters and streaming services along with kindred in the dark and the wicked which take place which takes place on a secluded farm a man is slowly dying Bedridden and fighting through his final breaths, his wife is slowly succumbing to overwhelming grief. To help their mother and say goodbye to their dad, siblings Luis and Michael return to the family farm, and it doesn't take long for them to see that something's wrong with mom. Gradually, as their own grief mounts, <clears throat> Luis and Michael uh, begin suffering from a darkness similar to their mother's, marked by a waking nightmare and growing sense that something evil is taking over their family. Is it the mother's period? Probably. I feel <laughs> like menopause. everything is everything. Yeah, it is menopause. <laughs> she's just, just having hot flashes. She's sticking her head in a freezer every three <laughs> It's the winter in Kansas, and she's just standing outside. In your nightgown because she's having hot flashes. It is. That's what's happening. Mom has hot. Mom has menopause. Oh, uh, in Kindred, venerable, uh, vulnerable mother to be Charlotte is taken in by her recently deceased boyfriend's mother and stepson, who seem increasingly obsessed with her every move because. She's not having a period because she's pregnant. <laughs> she because she doesn't have pregnant. a period. <laughs> uh, plagued by mysterious hallucinations, Charlotte's suspicions grow about Margaret and Thomas's intentions for her unborn child. 
Uh, mm. Coming out on November 10th, streaming sites are going to see Dark Figures, a found footage horror flick where five friends accidentally awaken an ancient evil while hiking in Arizona. Uh, they must fight to survive both a demonic spirit and the small tribe that warships it. Is it the election results? <laughs> <laughs> why, why has it been Tuesday for seven straight years? Uh, <laughs> it's the endless all over again. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, that would be the fucking worst version of that movie of all time. <laughs> Just a night, a fucking recurring 2020 election every every 74 days. Uh, you're also going to find Sleepless Beauty, a Russian horror film where a young woman is kidnapped by a mysterious organization known as The Recreation. Uh, her unknown abductors talk to her through a loudspeaker and set strict rules. She cannot fall asleep, and she has to fulfill bizarre and violent tasks if she hopes to stay alive. Uh, at first, it looks like someone's sick idea of entertainment, but as the demands become more intense, she begins to realize she's losing control of her own mind and maybe a pawn in a twisted and deadly psychological experiment. This trailer looks okay. really fucking dope. Uh, it looks like they're doing some weird animation thrown into certain sequences. What's this one called again? Uh, Sleepless Beauty. Okay. Uh, so this one comes out uh, tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, and then finally this week, and the one that I'm most excited for, we've talked about this one before, but on November 13th, so at the end of this week, Freaky is showing up in theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the mm. Vince Vaughn starring Freaky Friday theme slasher from Christopher Landon. Uh, when town serial killer the Butcher's mystical ancient dagger causes him and high schooler Millie to wake up in each other's bodies, Millie learns that she has 24 hours to get her body back before the switch becomes permanent. She's trapped in the form of a middle-aged maniac forever. The only problem is now she looks like a towering psychopath who's the target of a citywide manhunt, while the Butcher looks like her and has brought his appetite for carnage to homecoming. Mm. I, uh, I really want to see it, I'm not but I don't see want to go to theaters. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, no, I, I keep seeing like ads for stuff like that's coming out this movie. There's some other like uh, caveman animated films yeah. getting ready to come out on and on Thanksgiving for theater films. And I'm just like, who the fuck is going to the theaters these days? And then I visited Ohio, mm. and I realized who's going to theaters these days. <laughs> is it Ohioans? It's Ohioans. So, uh, bow apparently. Bowtie is the only theater open in town right now. It is, and they're only open on Saturdays. Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. And only for, like, two showings. Yes. So I think there's, like, a 4 o'clock showing and then, like, a 7.30 showing yep. for all these movies. Um, interestingly, three horror movies are showing up at Bowtie at the same time. Um, I don't. I assume that has more to do with the fact that nothing else is coming out in theaters right now um, than anything else. Uh, I'm s honestly surprised that Bowtie's even open. Uh, I would expect uh, Freaky's probably going to be in theaters for a week, maybe two weeks, and then hit streaming services almost instantly after that. Um, yeah, and I, I would. I will actually. Uh pay the the 15 or 20 to rent this one when it comes out. I am actually really looking forward to watching this film. Yeah. Yeah, this one looks fun. Uh, but that's it for this week. Not a huge list. Uh, I, I feel like everybody kind of got everything out that they wanted to in time for Halloween, and now things are slowing down a little bit. Yeah, it's true. It is. I mean, we got the holidays coming up. We're gearing up for different stuff. Uh, there was like a Thanksgiving horror movie that I noticed that was like coming out soon. Hmm. I don't know if it's just like an indie thing or what, but it's alright, we'll talk about it next week when I figure out what it is. <laughs> or not next week, two weeks. Right? Yes, yeah. yeah. I know time. Do you? <laughs> you guys um, ready to talk about this movie? Yes. Uh, Sammy sound unsure. I just saw a note that Quiet Place 3 is already in development. Alright. 
I um, haven't seen the second one. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, I haven't. The second either. one never got released. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. So... <laughs> I was like, you haven't seen it? I was like, wait a second, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> so I'll... that's that's about how I feel about that one. <laughs> Yeah. At this point, we're going to get like a double feature. Quiet Place 2 well, and 3 out uh, at the same time. Uh, this note says John Krasinski is not tied to the third one. Of course he's not. He made his money. Yeah. yeah. He's like, my integrity? <laughs> I can't make a third film. <laughs> it's like Steven Spielberg with Jurassic Park. You can only make two. And then after that, it's everybody else. Is John Krasinski French? <laughs> I used to be in the office. <laughs> Stares into camera. <laughs> Side eye. Jello mold. <laughs> Somewhere Rain Wilson is just losing his fucking mind right now. All right, let's talk about... Uh, what the fuck is the name of this movie? His House. His, his house. house. Let's talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's main event. All right. We are talking about a little Netflix film this week. <clears throat> called uh, His House, Your House. We his just house. talked about this at the end of the drop, and I'm already here. <laughs> Whose house? His house. There you go. Uh, this film, this film, it's directed by Remy Weekes. Weekes? Weekes. I think it's just Weeks. Remy Weeks. Okay. Screenplay <laughs> also by Remy Weeks. Story by Felicity, Felicity Evans and Toby Venab- Venables. 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 I like that more. Venables. <laughs> Uh, the cast is one me Masaku as uh So I actually watched the video to figure out how to pronounce her names. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so me. it is uh Wumi Masaku as Rial, uh Shope Darisu as Bull. Uh, so you pronounce it with an H in there, even though there's no H? Yeah, because I the what's in the notes doesn't have all the accent marks, but there's a bunch uh, of different accent marks in it. Okay, can I do this one? Yeah, I think you got this one. Matt Smith as Mark. Ooh, nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Javier Botet and Cornell John as the witches. Uh, Javier Botet has appeared in numerous horror films, including the Wreck franchise, It Chapters 1 and 2, and The Conjuring 2. Uh, Emily Taffy as Dr. Hayes and Malika Abigaba as Niagak. Uh, This is Remy Week's first movie ever. He's got two shorts prior to this, but this is his first direct. This is his directorial debut. You look like you had something there. I do. I do. Uh, you want to know my hot take on this? Mm. Already. All right. Hot takes already. Yes. Jordan Peele wishes he could make this movie. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. It, if Jordan Peele's British. Uh, this is just... It's, it's, you watch. In two years, Jordan Peele's going to remake this as an Americanized version. Much, much better, much more subtle commentary on a whole bunch of fucking really relevant issues. Mm. Yeah. In a powerhouse film, yeah. Um, I yeah, I agree. I'm just it's already with the with the compliments because when we chose this movie, you didn't seem too yeah, excited. I, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm surprised with that. I was not expecting. Uh, I was not expecting out of the from gate you. too. Uh, but certified fresh, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes at 100 percent uh, with a 79 percent viewer score, a whopping 88 percent from Google users. <laughs> That's pretty low for Google that users. Is low for <laughs> Google users, uh, and a lower but still solid and respectable 72 percent meta score. Uh, as mentioned, starring uh, Wumi Misaku and Shopei Darisu, 
who are in HBO's Lovecraft Country and Gangs of London, respectively. Mm-hmm. Or respectively. Uh, Dude, Chope Derishu, uh a lot of fun to watch on screen. Mm-hmm. So you know what the really weird thing is about this? Is I was watching some interviews that they had done, talking about working together, talking about working with Remy Weeks. They're so painfully British. Oh, of course, yeah. They're so British yep. that it like completely fucked with my head the first like 20 minutes of interviews I was watching. Cause I was like, I expected you to sound like you did in the film, and mm-hmm. you just sound like your normal British people from yeah. like London. From like Essex, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Remy found a delicate balance between genre tropes, haunted houses, and topical content, like Palmer mentioned around the, uh, including things like dehumanization of refugees. Uh, again, you know, Pretty big, poignant mm-hmm. things that are going the on. Civil the Civil War in right South now. Sudan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, in an interview with No Film School, Remy dug into what led to this movie and how it relates to his own story, saying that it goes back to the days of assimilation, growing up in London as a person of color. A conversation we had in our community was of assimilation, and how much of yourself do you give up or let go to give in? And that's the crux of this story. Uh, meanwhile, in interviews he did with Den of Geek, he continued about the representation of people of color in film, saying that. I think when you are not a white straight man and you love cinema or not even cinema, but any kind of culture, whether it's music or art, you have to love it. But it's always very noticeable that your life is rarely reflected on screen. It's a common refrain that we've heard more and more over the last few years. Um, it doesn't stop with it doesn't stop you loving it. Like I love Alfred Hitchcock. I love Stanley Kubrick. I think their stuff's amazing. But you never watch that and think it bears any resemblance to the lives of anyone that I know in my life. For me as a filmmaker, the people that will be in my films are always going to have some kind of connection to my experience, whether that's being a person of color or being othered in some other way. And so the color of the film, the stories within the film, are going to be slightly different. Weeks evolved the character and story arc through research, connecting the dots with real-life circumstances, continuing by saying, sometimes you have to let go of the more fictional elements in your head and lean on worldwide examples. You have to have relevance to the real world and be led by fact. While Weeks storyboarded sequences and used shot lists uh, while making this movie, his film wasn't set in stone, often going in different directions if something better showed up on set. He credited the actors themselves and the set designers with their adaptability to transform the story as needed to get it right, saying that the film is set in one location and finding new ways to use that location transforms with the characters, uh, and that was important to us. It had to mirror back to where the characters are at any given time, and using the wallpaper and underwalls as a visual signifier was one of the ways that we showed that. Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to be able to work with two amazing actors that have a certain pedigree. I'll give them adjustments and notes, but mostly I want to give them the space to be open and free with their performance, and that's my primary job as a director. And I think that's a good note. I Mm -hmm. think it's always nice that... You know, trust your actors, trust the people that have been hired to do these jobs and get the fuck out of their way sometimes and just let them do their thing. Yeah. As we've seen with people finally giving Nick Cage to chew on scenery to his heart's content. We're getting better and better performances all the time. And I can identify with him because he's a crazy white person. Right. I'm allowed to say that. And it's funny too because some directors are so completely the opposite. You know what I mean? So did. Yeah. Like Kubrick was very controlling yes. about. I was actually just about yeah. to say Kubrick <laughs> yeah. is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, so um, to be able to just but Kubrick also part of part of his controlling thing was like he also had like a weird fetish for like torturing his actors, mm. actresses, and actresses. One specifically. <laughs> well, no, because he did no, the same thing in um, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. He did, like, yeah. So. You know, some people are crazy. Uh, but finally, before we get into the movie itself and whatever Palmer thinks of it, which now we know is actually a lot better than I expected, uh, just know this. Weeks is on record in these interviews saying that two of his favorite horror movies of all time are Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street. So take that as you will. All right. Something for everybody. 
I will I will go so far as to put this with uh, Under the Shadow, which I think was either 2018 or 2019, mm-hmm. mm. um, in being one of the best examples of both depicting foreign war and what it does uh, to people and families, and then on top of that, depicting... I guess, like, it, uh, absorption, right? Like, getting into assimilating with mm-hmm. another country. Yeah. It's, uh, I watched it the first time, and I was like, damn, that was a good movie. And I watched it the second time, and I was like, that was fucking fantastic. Uh, this one probably will be on my top five mm-hmm. for this yeah. year. Okay. Which is a, a really big thing to say for a Netflix movie. Yeah. Considering uh, especially that, like we, we all generally drag Netflix movies pretty hard. Especially yeah. after I think like recently in my tech in our text message thread I was like, but Netflix doesn't do horror. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's, yep. They've they've been picking up some pretty big uh like Sundance darlings. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Over the last year or two. Um yeah. So it's been good to see. Uh, again, I think part of I think part of what we're seeing though is Netflix is finally realizing that like their own produced horror stuff has not been well received, mm. but they've got the money to go out and pay for all yeah. the stuff that is doing really well on the festival circuit, and yeah. we're seeing a lot more of that show up on the platform. Well, I think the other great. I think the other big draw for Netflix is the fact that everybody has it out of every single streaming yes. service that there is out there everybody has netflix yeah it's still weird to me when they release their reports that subscriber counts are still increasing because i don't know a single person that doesn't have netflix dude they're getting ready to increase their monthly price again yeah really? yeah <laughs> again because they know they can do you think it is too also maybe when they're getting more subscribers it's also people who Maybe perhaps run other people's Netflix account and then want their own. I assume it has to be. Yeah. Like if they're getting booted off their friends. It's just you can like, only oh, have... you voted for Donald Trump. Well, you can't use my Netflix anymore. Because <laughs> you can only have so many. Um... Well, because they have tiers. You have to pay right. for multiple screens. Because I know at one point I was sharing it. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Trump fans for a second. I was like, they have tiers? <laughs> no, Netflix, has, Netflix yep. has tiers of like the number of screens you can simultaneously yes. stream to. Yeah. So I know at one point. I was paying an extra like two or three dollars a month because I was sharing my account with Mark. Right. Um, And so, like, there would be times where, like, Mary Beth was already watching something. Mary Beth would already be watching something, and Mark would happen to be watching something at his place, and I would log on and be like, why can't I fucking do this? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I didn't give him the boot. He actually, like, Texted me one day and was like, "Yeah, I'm not using yours anymore because I'm just using Alicia's. Getting his own. Oh, he's using Alicia's. <laughs> That's fair. You know, one Netflix per household. Yeah. Um, so anyway, on to the movie. So Shofi Dorisu plays a man named Bull, and uh, Wumi Masaku plays his wife Riel, who are refugees fleeing with their daughter Niagak from war-torn South Sudan. To cross the Mediterranean, they brave stormy waters on an overcrowded motorboat, as one does, along with other Africans traversing the dangerous open sea in search of a better life in Europe." Although they survive the treacherous crossing, their daughter and many others do not. And when they are finally granted probational asylum in Britain, three months later and released on bail, the government assigns them a large but pretty shithole house on the outskirts of London. Can we pause and reflect 
on the daunting task of crossing the fucking Mediterranean Sea on a goddamn in a, motorboat. In a motorboat, <laughs> yeah. It's not in the it, middle of night. In the middle, yeah. like in, yeah. in the dark. It's it's yeah. it's not like uh, going from one shore of a lake to the other. No, no, no. It is uh, completely daunting and terrifying. Yeah, I um, I am curious though how long it takes to cross the Mediterranean. <clears throat> Wasn't there that guy that like swam across? That I know there's people that have gone across the English Channel. I know there's the mm-hmm. guy that swam from the southern tip of, I think it's Spain or Portugal. One of the two has that tip the, that's like uh, at the top of the Horn of Africa as well, mm. uh, where you can swim across that. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how many miles that is, but uh, it is what it is. Many, regardless. many miles, I'm sure. Regardless, so interesting. it is crazy. To think about that. And even uh, just to get and, to the water, too. That's a long trek. Well, yeah, I mean, South like, Sudan's in the middle of Africa. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those, you know, I used to be pretty staunchly against any sort of kind of like illegal immigration into this country. And my wife and I went through many arguments about it. As and, one does. Um because obviously she is vehemently, or was, no, still is, is. very, <laughs> very, very vehemently against uh, my views or my what used to be my views on that matter. And it was just one of those, you know, the more we argued about it, the more I looked into kind of like the amount of bullshit that people go through to escape their situations. And it's one of those, like, I don't know that that necessarily justifies it, but it certainly makes it... Uh, they should be given a chance. <laughs> like, I don't, I feel like if you're going to go through the amount of bullshit that people go through to get to countries that they view as like asylum safer, areas, yeah. safer yeah. areas, maybe you shouldn't turn them around. Well, and maybe you shouldn't separate them from their families. Maybe no. you shouldn't, uh, you know, treat them like dog shit. Well, and as someone who's moved to this country as a legal immigrant, I don't think you can. No, I'm just saying, and that 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 was hard. You yeah. know what I mean? And expensive. I can't even imagine people with nothing being able to do that. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll talk a little bit like, about what that takes uh, later on. If in you this have episode. nothing, there's no way. So you have to come in as a refugee, right? And right. people need to be accepting of that. There's no way to just be like, it's impossible. Yeah, I. Uh, it's one of those weird things that I still like don't know how to feel about politically but it's certainly fucking harrowing mm-hmm. uh and certainly deserves a chance I yeah. guess is the big takeaway from all of this like if you're going to go through that that amount of bullshit mm-hmm. whether it be crossing a sea in a motorboat yeah. or <laughs> getting shoved inside the fucking like framework of a car and being escorted through like yep. Because you're just trying to get your family to a place where they might be able to succeed. I I don't know why you'd turn that away. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's only Anymore. one. Like, the, the idea of, like, coming to the United States or coming to England or places like that to succeed is only one facet mm-hmm. of immigration. We yes. have to be given the chance to succeed first. Right. You have but to be so given like in the ability. Case, in this case, they weren't coming over as migrants uh, in the sense of oh, they were refugees. Yeah, so it's it's a whole different class of why they're trying to come over in the first place. Right, and you'll see, like, I think this movie, part of the reason that I said what I said about Jordan Peele wanting to want only dreams to be able to make up 
uh, make a movie like this, with social commentary like this, mm-hmm. is because of the fact that this movie takes a lot of this shit head on. Whereas, like, Jordan Peele tries to shove it into allegory and act like he's really smart about it. Uh, the the big thing to kind of take away from this is the fact that, like, like this movie doesn't shy away from portraying... Yes, ultimately it is a, it, it's a ghost story or, like, a witch or a haunting story, right? Uh but the the hard reality is exactly what these people are going through mm-hmm. for the first what like 30 40 <laughs> minutes of this film yeah um no it's a human life struggle story yeah, as exa- much as it is a horror movie. yeah exactly yeah. and i think that was part of the thing that kind of pulled me in initially mm-hmm. on the first view was just like watching through this and being like wait a minute this is actually like more of a humanitarian mm-hmm. type of story than it is anything else and then it obviously goes off the deep end into being like a ghost or a haunting story um while still at the same time, while all this shit is happening, he still has neighbors and stuff that are looking at him and being like, you should just mm-hmm. leave. Yeah. Well, we all goes out <laughs> yeah, for a walk they at talk one about point. Assimilation, and they also talk about survivor's guilt. Yeah. It's a rough... This movie is a rough movie. It's, I mean... It's, the, it's a hard one to watch. The part that kind of threw me for a loop was when Rial goes out to try to find... Uh, doctor's office the doctor's office Mm -hmm. and she comes up to those three young kids or i guess teenage kids kids, comes up to those three teenage kids and asks you know where is this place and one of them gives her directions and then the the second one gives her worse directions and the third one kind of catches on that like oh this is a refugee like let's fuck with her well and Mm. she feels comfortable going up to them because they're black yeah so she's like hey like because she passes other people and doesn't talk to them right and so like that's the part that threw me because in my head it made sense that she was going up to them right. because they were black. And then as she starts walking away, they say, go back to Africa. They're just as xenophobic as, yeah. yeah. Which is, it's a weird thing for me to see that because I know that there are massive issues with race in England, yeah. in France, in Germany, like mm-hmm. just as bad as they are here. But I never expected to see it through this dynamic. Well, that's the big thing, right, is, is like, and we're, we're going to have... Some of our European listeners write in and tell me how much full of shit I am, but <laughs> but the we bottom, know Europe, okay. <laughs> the bottom the bottom line is like shit is just as fucking fucked up over there as it in is some over places here. it's worse. Like my mm-hmm. my family, most of my family is from Poland, and the shit that I've heard come out of that fucking country in the last two to four years makes us look incredibly progressive. Mm. Yeah, I mean yeah. that doesn't. Surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, it's, but like you hear about, you know, for, for instance, you know, back at the, when we were going through a lot of the horse shit with Trump, I would see posts on Reddit and stuff from like people, like people in the UK and all this, all these other like, you know, quote unquote progressive European areas where they'd be like, oh, we'd never do this in France. We'd never do this in the UK. You guys fucking went through the Brexit. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the, the majority of people voted for that. Yeah. Like, it, like, it don't act like it's not just happening. They wouldn't do a full referendum the second time, though, because apparently a lot of people would have voted against it the second time because the people, first time they, they voted for it, it they didn't know what it was or what it was So you guys do. are just like as it ignorant fucked up the as entire, Americans. It yeah. fucked up the entire northern border. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're just as and ignorant the as Americans. Yeah. But and then like, in France, people are getting beheaded in the streets. Look, look, like, that's that's, that's, a sep- that's a that's separate a separate issue. issue. But it's still it's still tangentially tied to this kind of conversation. It is religious it is. based, and there is a whole different sort of fanaticism tied to that. 
but we've got white people executing black dudes in the middle of the street here. It's not a religious thing, but it's just a, it's still fanaticism. Yeah, it's a it's a power trip thing, yeah. right? But like it's it's uh it's interesting, kind of like looking at this at a film like this coming out of the UK, where we've had a lot of films that have been powerhouse films, quote unquote, coming out of the US that mm-hmm. don't have the same punch as this movie does. Like I watched this and I immediately identified with everything that was going on here. Yeah. But it's all told through the lens of the eleventh doctor. Mm-hmm. Like you see you see fucking Matt Smith be a racist prick a systemic racist wildly prick. Wildly dismissive government bureaucrat. Exactly. Yeah. Which is which is something that like Normally, at least through social media, in my experience, has been immediately addressed towards being American. Right. So, uh, but it happens in Canada. Oh yeah. It happens in the UK. It, it sure shit is happening in France right now. Mm-hmm. It's happening in fucking. I mean, it's it's literally one of those things that like all of a sudden we had this over the past four six four to six years. We have had this progressive uh, wave. Of intolerance mm-hmm. go through the entirety of the world. It hasn't just been the U.S. And this is one of those films. Like you watch this on Netflix, and I think that's part of the reason that it hit me so hard. It's such it hit such a chord with me watching this. It's just it's an immediate portrayal of everything that we see mm-hmm. here in the states, and we assume is an isolated problem with our nation. What I'm what I've there's a weird part of me that feels like it's a death rattle. That this like hard push to the right is like the the dying breaths, hopefully, and dying gasps of a generation that mm. came of age in the fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know if that's actually know, the case because they just passed all that shit on to their kids. I was going to say they have children, yeah, whose ideologies they've soaked up. You know what I mean? And yeah. people from households like that are bred and become other people in the same household. Yeah, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. which have more people of the same family. Like not everyone agrees with what their parents say, but a majority of people do. Dude, there's all yeah. There's all the bottom line is there are a lot of young people. Um, Indoctrination happens in the household. Yeah. yeah, there are a lot of young people that agree with everything that Trump stood for. Oh yeah. And these people are as young as like people who are on TikTok who can't even vote yet. You know yeah. what I mean? Like these are children. Yeah, they're they're people that are being exposed to these memes mm-hmm. that are literally um but not I don't want to say brainwashing. Brainwashing isn't the right word, but it's <laughs> all, they're getting indoctrinated. They're getting these bite-sized bits of information that and this is all they know. This yes. is the president that they've seen. This it, is the president they've come to age with. It identifies with what's relevant to them on an individualistic level. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I, uh, once again, I just think it's very interesting seeing these kinds of issues getting tackled from a perspective that's coming out of the UK. Yeah. Across the pond. Across <laughs> the pond. It's a stone's throw. I'm personally surprised that this is the second horror movie in the last two years that has a former doctor in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, um, he, and, He's supposed to be the nicest, besides the two main characters, of course. Like, he's supposed to be kind of the nicest one, and he's still a total piece he of is, shit. He is, right. but there's also that, like, right government knows mm-hmm. best bureaucracy bullshit because he continually reinforces the idea of, like, if you're the good ones. Right. If you're not the good ones, we're going to put you on a fucking boat and, and get what, your ass out. And mm-hmm. what constitutes being a good one is assimilating, right? Yeah. And... And I don't think I don't necessarily agree with that. 
Yeah. Um, if you want to eat food on your floor, then that's fine. I yeah, if well, you want to eat with your hands an, and not with a fork and knife, that's fine. Yeah. That's an interesting thing that I do. I was born here. That I do kind of want to get into. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe it's good to just get into it now. When you before before you say this, okay, we've been talking about this movie so far for about 10, 15 minutes. Right. So for our listeners, if you haven't figured out yet that this episode is going to be a lot about this kind of stuff and it's bugging the shit out of you, you might just want to come back next yeah. time. Yeah. I, well, I mean, ultimately, this is a pol- very political movie. It's going to be a political conversation mm-hmm. from yeah. start to finish. And we're on the heels of a very political time. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> so of- it is It is what it is. I mean, you either accept it or you don't. But this is, this is the episode. Uh, the big thing that I kind of... It's interesting, right? Because when they arrive initially at this house, they walk into the house. Matt Smith is like, all this is for you. Right. Well, so he gets, before they even get to the house, they're given a list of restrictions. Yeah. Right. You can't do this. Yeah. You have to do weekly, you have to do weekly reports. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you 74 pounds a week. You can't work or get supplemental income right. in any way. And you have to live in this house that we're giving you. And no candles. And no candles. <laughs> And so, Which is so fucking weird to me. They hitch a ride to the house. Matt Smith meets them there, gives them a whole new list of things they can't do in I, the house. I do like to pretend that the Eleventh Doctor just got so sick of like exploring countless like worlds and galaxies <laughs> that he was just finally like, you know what? I'm just gonna be a, a, a curmudgeon <laughs> old person, a bureaucratic and come, social worker, yeah, and come to the in Essex, <laughs> come to the UK, and just immediately. Just take out my 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 disenchantment with yeah. with everybody that comes mm-hmm. across. That is, this is the eleventh doctor in retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and so the people throw their stuff in trash bags, just on the yeah, ground, just like, on the ground. They don't no hand way, it to them. They don't even no, hand it to them. They don't even treat them as people, really, at this point. But there's he gets a whole separate list of restrictions for them in the house: no candles, no smoking, no animals, no pets, no friends, no guests, no parties, no ball games, no balls, no games. He does say that. Yeah. You're going to have to go down to the hardware store, grab a couple of nails, and fix this yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their door is fucked. Their front door is fucked up. And I hope you two are the good ones. I hope you are two of the good two ones. Two of the good ones, right? Yeah. So you immediately get two different... Re- well, no, that's not true. Initially, we get a almost a unified reaction, right, from both of them, because uh, the husband agrees that he is one of the good ones. Yes, and they the, say that multiple times, yeah. even in their interview. Like, right, we're yeah. good people. I was a banker. We're good people. And the guy's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not the one you have to explain it to, or the one that I, I have to convince. You, yeah, you don't have to convince me. It's alluding to the fact that his neighbors and his community are the ones that he's going to have to convince. Well, and, you know, even initially, his wife is is just like, this is all for us. Like, you don't. If one yeah. of us walked into this place, we'd be like, this is a fucking shithole. But they're both of their reactions mm-hmm. are, this is but all this for is, us. I mean, it's a shithole, but it's a big shithole. It is hole. a big shithole. And so it's one of those, it's one of those, you know, they keep repeating Matt Smith and all his little fucking shitty co workers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all keep repeating that this, it's bigger than the flat it's, I live in. And while that which may is be also true, probably true. <laughs> it's while very that, patronizing, though. It, yeah. it, well, it, while that may be true, I'm sure the quality of life is much better in their flats versus what they right. get. You probably don't have holes in your walls in you, your fucking flat in London. They're, you probably have electricity. I was you say probably electricity. have running water. You probably don't have to fix the nails in your door to keep it from fucking staying open all the time. But they take it positively, they both do. of them, because uh, initially, as soon as they're as soon as he's like, "Yes, this is all for you," the wife looks at him and smiles. And, they're happy. And, yeah, they're happy with well, the situation. You think they're safe? 
they're out of the refugee. Or, they're you not know, getting the de- shot at. They're not at the detainment center that they were for, you know, God knows how long. They're looking at this as just like, this is our moment to just kind of survive. If we can through, get through this, we can assimilate. This mm-hmm. is it. This is our fresh start. And while that quickly changes, mm-hmm. it brings up a good question, kind of going along what you were, were bringing up about one of the big things that kind of emerges throughout the course of this film is assimilation, whether or not it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You've got the wife who slowly kind of departs from that idea, mm-hmm. but you have the husband who is fully in agreement with, with we need to assimilate. We need to become mm-hmm. one of them. We need to, we can become one of them. We can, he says yes. multiple times, this is an area that will give us a chance. Right. And so you're saying, Alex, you just said a second ago, assimilation isn't a good thing. I, I don't think you need to assimilate whole 100%. I don't think assimilation should be a requirement. No. I think if you want to, I mean, yeah, I think you should be able to, to, to talk with your community and be friends with people in your community. But I think if you want to still eat food sitting on the floor with your fingers and you, at home, you should be able to do that. I wouldn't even oh, okay. say that, okay. it, uh, even if, from a community standpoint. Because, I mean, look at, the, look, look at yeah. even here in Richmond. There are communities that are predominantly Hispanic, right. predominantly Indian, predominantly Korean. They have assimilated in yeah. the sense that they do everything that we all do, mm-hmm. but they live in, in unfortunately, the communities are somewhat fairly segregated. And that's a whole different conversation as to whether or not that's intentional or not. Um, in this I case, think it is on a subconscious level. It is. I mean, you want to be around people that you can identify to with. an extent. To an extent. To an extent. To an extent. Yes. In this case, they don't have that option. They're just shoved into a house mm-hmm. in the middle of a fucking area that's filled with white people. Looks this, like low income. At white one people. point, they're they're making fun of the 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 white queen of the neighborhood. Yes. The, the old the, lady the walks around in her pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> she looks like she kind of has dementia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's a fight that goes on outside their window at one point uh, between some of the neighborhood kids. Yeah, it's like council housing. It's Section Eight, yeah. like low income. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think I think assimilating with your community is important, but I think that keeping your cultural or whatever identity is also. So if, where if you, do you want to, then that's perfectly fine. And this is more me playing devil's advocate than it is actually me voicing my beliefs. Where do you draw the line? Where do you think assimilation stops? Or where, the, where do you think assimilation should stop? Where do you think that, that people become accepted? And where do you think that people... Uh, I just think you have to make an effort. I think if you, like, if you... If I... So, for example, if I move to France... Right. I don't currently speak French. I know that the majority of French people speak English. Mm-hmm. I've heard varying things regarding their views on people who don't speak French trying to speak French. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think if I moved to France, I should make an effort to learn the language. Because, like I said, that's how you get to know your community. You can't get to know your community if you if I if you instead don't speak the show up language. and move to France and have an adamant refusal to be like, nah, fuck you, I'm not going to learn your fucking French fried bullshit surrender language, and that's just the way it's going to be. I don't expect to get a warm welcome. No. So what do you? But what do you do when? And then people would also wonder why you even bothered to move to France in the first place. Yeah. So what do you do when you try to show your roots, mm-hmm. but then you're met with, for instance, what what she's met with with a teenager saying right. go back, or what you, what uh, you might be encountering in France when you try to speak their language and they're just like just speak English. That happened to me in Spain okay. when I was trying to speak Spanish. 
Right. And they just looked at me like, we, we fucking speak English. Right. I think and you just have to, like, I think you just have to keep going. You just keep, keep so, going. So, but but that, that, that once again brings up the question, where does assimilation need to end? And where does society need to understand that something that we need to give and take? So, like, I think that's a slightly different that's, yeah. thing, though. Like, because when you were in Spain, you know, you're there on your honeymoon. You're there visiting. You're not living there, living there. I think, you know... But you're trying. You're trying, you're, and you're trying to fit in while you're there. And, and that the thing could be... about her is that she will see those three young boys probably if she, many, 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 many more times in her mm-hmm. neighborhood. Eventually, whether she learns to... She already knows how to speak English. Whether she learns her way around the neighborhood... They both speak very, very fucking good English, actually. <laughs> right? Because they're both British, and they speak the proper king's language. Right? Eventually, they will even, you know, they will maybe still tease her, but she will be assimilated into their neighborhood. Even if they still poke fun, they're probably dicks. They're probably know. dicks to everybody, though. They're know. teenagers. Growing up with 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 uh, in in Northern Virginia, which really is truly like the fucking melting pot. It of, is the second largest Ethiopian population in the world, mm-hmm. and and outside of Ethiopia, or the the largest Ethiopian population outside, outside of, of Ethiopia. Ethiopia. I went to the. It is actually yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Uh, I went to we the high school that I went to was I, actually written thanks, up Mary Beth. You taught me that. It was actually written, yeah, Mary Beth went to the same high school. Uh, it was written up in National Geographic mm-hmm. as being um, the most diverse school in the nation. And Anthony Bourdain did an episode in the Ethiopian restaurants in the D.C. area. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah Je- Jeb Stewart <laughs> was the most diverse, which would just would have had him. That's that is so ironic. I think it's called Liberty High or something. Yeah, I think they changed it. Uh or just justice high. That's it, what it is. Is it justice it's high? Justice Jesus high. Yeah. Christ! All right, uh, <laughs> I'm not for it being Jeb Stewart. Don't get me wrong, but fucking <laughs> justice high. Come on. Justice um, when we went there, it was a big time of reform because that school had a really, really bad reputation when we first went there. And part of it had to do with the fact that there was an area outside of it called Colmore. Mm-hmm. And Colmore was a bastion, a hotbed for MS-13. There, yep. there, it, was, um, it was so bad in Colmore that, that police, the local police department, would not go in there. After without dark. a full fucking raid after dark, yeah. Uh, Stay out of Colmar after dark. There were there was an instance where there was a uh, well that that changed that, that changed. changed yeah. Uh, there was an instance I remember uh, it was my when I was in eighth grade. They set a police car on fire outside of Colmar, like a block outside of Colmar, mm-hmm. and the police showed up with a fucking raid truck. And it turned into a fucking like flat out gang war because this was the hotbed for MS thirteen. Right. Uh, this this was this is one of the biggest spots for it in the entire nation. Um, we didn't hear about MS thirteen na- nationally until it entered Colmore. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting thing, kind of growing up with all these people, because when you know them on an individual level, there's less fear, right? Mm-hmm. So. I used to walk through Colmore going to school there because I knew a whole bunch of people that lived there. Uh, my mom would always say, what are you doing? Don't go over there. It's not a good area. But for me, it was a much different experience um, because I knew people that lived there. But when I would go to those people's homes, 
You'd have the grandma, you'd have the mm-hmm. older aunt, you'd have the older like generation living there that refused to assimilate assimilate any any way whatsoever. Right. But then you'd have the generation that I went to high school with that was completely different. Absolutely. Completely fucking different. And I don't think that's an uncommon thing, you it's know, not. first generation versus second generation. Mm-hmm. Uh like for so my my grandparents uh on my mom's side were Polish. My mom was born in Germany. They mm-hmm. came over here uh when my mom was a baby uh and they wound up i think in fucking i think they wound up in nashville at first uh which i actually didn't know about until a couple of years ago um my grandfather assimilated pretty quickly uh you know considering everything that they had gone through with world war ii uh you know got a job was working and everything and my grandmother to the best of my knowledge really didn't she mm-hmm. was very much like a homebody kind of and i think the in, and like very old world european well and especially in families like that you're talking about the grandparents and especially the grandmothers i think just they spend a lot more time at home yeah right so you don't get the chance to right or maybe you don't have to if you don't want to assimilate as much yeah what's to assimilate if you just stay in your block yeah so i mean I, I, when i when I lived in Canada, I lived in Surrey, so it's a suburb of Vancouver, mm-hmm. and it's extremely diverse. I was just looking up the demographics online, and they're saying 53% of the population of Surrey does not speak English. So and it's mostly people from, like, India and Asia, like, okay. like you know. Well, there's a very strong Indi- po- Indian population here in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do, I do remember that, though, with it's specifically with the grandparents. And they... Did not assimilate as well, right? And so it's it's just one of the. But like I noticed that there was uh, when I was living in in the the, the Copper Springs apartments, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. uh, up off Mayland, yeah, off off of Mayland. I did notice that there was a lot of animosity between the white people that lived there and mm-hmm. the uh, the Indian population that lived there. Yeah, yeah. we had two Indian neighbors uh, adjacent to us on both sides of our apartment. Neither one of them spoke to us. I would openly wave to them and say hi. Yeah, and I. Maybe get like a quick glance, and that was the end of it. And it's one of those things. It's just like you know, we were talking about kind of, uh, um, oh, sorry, segregation mm-hmm. and whatnot. And while I believe, uh, well, it's not a belief, but it, it is very apparent that a lot of that is done because of financial status and stuff in America. Yeah. A lot of it is very uh, um, financially based. I do think that. People tend to flock to people of their own kind as well. Yeah, like, absolutely. Well, especially uh, when you're from a different country, I feel like there's a lot of comfort in that. There is, obviously, yeah. 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 And I, I mean, mean, you find that even with Americans when they go abroad, they're like, oh, is there like a TGI Fridays I can go yeah. to? Yeah. Like, where, where do the, where, what bar do the Americans hang out at? For me, it was, you know, when I was, when I was in Spain, I keep saying Spain, but that's my most recent foreign uh, country area that I've been to. Uh, you know, and obviously I haven't been able to do anything since COVID hit, but fucking... When I was in Spain, it was just like, where can I go watch? And I don't know why I did this looking back on it because it was 2015, the, one of the worst years of the Cowboys up until this <laughs> year. Was like the worst. I wanted to watch football. <laughs> I did. I wanted to watch football. I wanted to watch fucking Matt Castle play. I don't know why I wanted to watch Matt Castle play because he's fucking awful, but I did. And one of the Sunday, we were only there for uh, a week and a half. And the, 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 the one Sunday we had, I was like, can we try to find a bar playing American? American <laughs> that is football? the most quintessential American we, thing ever. We we went on uh, what the fuck TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and I looked through a whole bunch of places. Then finally, there was this one fucking like British pub okay. in the UK that was just like 
the reviews were like, if you go to this place, they will put on whatever sport you want them to. Okay. And we walked in, and they were just finishing up. I walked in, and I was just like, hey, can we turn on Can we turn on the Cowboys? And he looked at me, and he's like, you fucking Americans. Yeah. And he was just like, can you give me Can you give me 20 minutes until this this proper football match is over? Right. And then we'll I'll, I'll switch the game over. He probably walked into like a Chelsea bar, and Chelsea's playing. <laughs> and they're like, oh. <laughs> like... We're not going to beat you up because you're an American tourist, but I really want to kick your ass right yeah, now. Just give was, us 20 minutes he, to like finish what we're doing. He, no, it wasn't Chelsea playing, okay. but it was. It, I, I, it was. They would have fought him. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he gave me so much shit the entire time that we were there, and it was. Fu- but it was good. It was nice. It was nice to be yeah. able to like sit down and watch a gridiron football game and enjoy. Uh, a pint. Uh, yeah, a pint. It was and it was like and the menu was like bangers and mash and shit right. like that. And for some reason that I'll have the that, hot like, dogs and potatoes, please. Well, it was like was everywhere we're Ketchup. going, it was like it was like tapas or fucking, you know, like fucking Europe. Yeah, hamon. Yeah, and I'm just like, all right, like No more hamon. Please, please, I love the hamon, but keep me away from the fucking hamon. Um, it was nice. And so I think, you know, it's one of those things like even even people like us like that go overseas crave that like familiarity yeah at some point or another and the fact that you can kind of um have an opportunity to go somewhere and experience something that makes you feel like you're back at home even for a couple hours i think is very important and that's why i'm asking this question mm-hmm. about assimilation and this yeah. and like where where do you draw the line i think it's different for everybody right but I think it's also one of, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is where do we as people need to be, as a community, not need to hostile. be stepping yeah. in. No, not even, it's more than that. Need to be stepping in and saying, or, and going the extra mile to make somebody feel like they're, they're at home. I'm, I think, honestly, I think, again, it's lose the fucking hostility. It is. And it's really kind of fucking like bullshit it, like, too. Like you said, just real quick, like like you said with, uh, you know, your neighbors at mm-hmm. Copper Mill, mm-hmm. you know, if you wave at them, you're not being hostile. They might not be receptive to it, but that's okay. Like there, there's literally nothing wrong with that. The second it's like, oh, why didn't you wave back? Like right. I'm being nice and you're being a dick. You should get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, that's where I draw the line. Right. Yeah. I never took any of that personally. No. And I feel like also too, you know, people want to celebrate other cultures when it's convenient to them. Like, it's so, like, oh, I love their food and blah, blah, blah. But, like, you don't actually want to be friends with any of these people. It seems a little a little two-faced. Yeah. So, you like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll eat your food and I'll, you know, celebrate your holidays and stuff. But I don't actually want to, like, befriend you in my community. Yeah, you can't you can't chant build the wall and then <laughs> go get shit-faced on Cinco de Mayo and eat a taco bowl. Thank you. <laughs> Olay. Let's keep talking about the synopsis of this film. Well, we're going to take a real quick detour to talk about the refugee and asylum process. Okay. Uh, So this is a lot of information that you can dig through on this, and none of us at this table, at least that I'm aware of, are refugee or asylum experts. Uh, So (laughs) I don't want to get lost in the weeds here. I didn't realize we were experts on anything. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, But like Alex mentioned, you know, as hard as it is just to immigrate legally with uh, money <laughs> with money um and i know i i've got a friend who moved uh to australia with her husband and that process was a very expensive and long drawn out process uh the refugee and asylum process is just as brutal uh so without getting lost too much in the weeds 
here's a basic understanding of what it takes for people trying to do this only to end up somewhere with no money in a rat-infested house and being told to go back to Mexico or Africa or where the fuck ever, uh, and some of the things that complicate this whole process. Uh, so it's very similar between the U.S. and the U.K., at least from what I've found. But first of all, at the end of 2019, so these are recent numbers, almost 80 million people were forcibly displaced across the world. Of this, almost 30 million were refugees, while 45.5 million were internally displaced within their country of origin. So that means getting booted from where you're living but ending up somewhere else in your country. Uh, 85% of the world's refugees are living in countries neighboring their country of origin, often in developing countries. 40% of refugees are children. Uh, We've had a lot of conversation about that here in the U.S. lately. Uh, In 2019, more than two-thirds of the refugees across the world came from just five countries. Syria had almost 7 million. Afghanistan had almost 3 million. South Sudan, which is the topic of this movie, had a little over 2 million. Myanmar had a little over 1 million, and Somalia had just under a million. Regarding some of the commentary regarding asylum seekers here in the United States, there is no such thing as an illegal or bogus asylum seeker. Under international law, anyone has the right to apply for asylum in any country that is signed the 1951 convention, and to remain there until the authorities have assessed their claim. In the United States, the U.S. State Department, in consultation with the constellation of other agencies and organizations, manages this process through its refugee admission program, also known as USRAP. The first step for a potential refugee abroad is most often to register with the U.N. High Commission for Refugees, or UNHCR. These officials collect documentation and perform an initial screening and then refer qualifying individuals to the U.S. State Department Resettlement Support Centers, or RSCs, of which there are nine around the entire world. Sometimes this is done by a U.S. embassy or non-governmental organization. If nothing problematic is found in these background checks that they're running on these people, you're on to the next step, and this whole process takes almost two years just to get to here. Next, you then get to deal with the State Department, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Department of Health and Human Services, The State Department's Bureau of Population, Refugees, and Migration is the first U.S. government point of contact, and it coordinates the process with all other agencies, including local agencies that can vary depending on the refugee until they are resettled. Over in the U.K., it's pretty similar. Uh, You know, the names of the government organizations change, and they're a little bit more proper, uh, and sometimes they're wearing wigs. Um, (laughs) Powdered wigs. I wasn't aware this was a fucking... Parliament thing going on here. Uh, But a person becomes a refugee when the government agrees that an individual who has applied for asylum meets the definition in the refugee convention. They will recognize that person as a refugee and issue them with refugee status documentation. Usually in the UK, they're given five years leave to remain as a refugee, at which point they must apply for further leave, although their status as a refugee is not limited to five years. So you could be a refugee for... 10, 15, 20 years. Mm. But you have Um, to reapply every five years. Every five years. Uh, But beyond that, the process doesn't seem too different than it does in the U.S. The decision-making process is extremely tough, and many people's claims are rejected. In the year ending June 2020, 53% of initial decisions resulted in a grant of asylum or other form of protection, with many refugees having to rely on the courts rather than the government to provide them the protection they need. So that's what we hear about a lot here Mm -hmm. is... You know, lawyers getting a chance to meet with these asylum seekers to get them in front of court. And then the problem then becomes that they they skip out on their court appearance or they don't show up because they're afraid that ICE or something is going to just, imat- show just up automatically show up and grab them and throw them out anyway. Uh, so the proportion of asylum appeals allowed in the year ending June 2020 was 45%, the highest it's been in the last decade. 
So since this is a British film, we'll, uh, we'll post some links to some great details around asylum in general and the process in the UK specifically. But a lot of this stuff does apply to the United States as well with some other countries in Europe. Um, and all of these organiz organizations you can support in various ways if you so choose. Uh, so back to the movie, as we were talking about, Bull tries to assimilate. And unlike showing up to a British bar trying to find a Dallas Cowboys game, uh, he ends up singing songs about Peter Crouch, the endlessly tall EPL and English national team player, uh, which is also soccer for us stupid Americans, and asks Rial to use utensils rather than her hands when they eat, even going so far as to change the way he's dressing. So he's trying to assimilate super duper hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she even makes proud fun of him. It. She even makes fun of him for singing songs about Peter Crouch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he's like, he's, he's really proud of it. He wants to to embrace this fully and completely and abandon the life that he used to have. Mm -hmm. I think this movie does a really good job of kind of exp of sharing the dichotomy and mm -hmm. mindsets here. You've got you've got his wife who wants to to hold on to the past. Well, maybe not hold on to the past, but hold on to at least pieces of herself. Right. And that's literally expressed at one point later in the film that we're going to be talking about here soon. Um and then you have him who's going to the equivalent of the fucking Gap and buying polo <laughs> shirts and chinos. Right after the model, yeah. Yeah, it, it, because because he's looking at a white man and wants to be him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think both could be true from two completely different people coming from the same household. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Um, and and the entire time that that scene that was going on at, at, the, at the fucking Gap, we'll just call it the Gap. It's not actually the Gap, but it's something. It like, looks like Primark. There's no Gap shirt that yeah. costs only seven pounds. I'll put it that way. But it's, fucking. It's Primark. It is. Uh, <laughs> love Primark. What the fuck is Primark? It's like. It's like a British Walmart. It's No, it's like, it's like British. Like a or, um, it's like a British Forever 21. Okay. But like better. Okay, so the entire time that that scene was going on, I was like, yeah, you're looking at the white guy and you're like, all right, if I put this polo shirt on and these chinos on, mm -hmm. then I will be like this. I will be assimilated. Right. Mm -hmm. And his excitement is almost borderline like inept uh, because I was watching that entire scene. I was like. But you will never be that white guy. Well, mind you, there's a security guard following him through yeah. the whole store, too. Right. Uh, I didn't notice that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when he walks in, there's a security guard that just immediately is and just And all he's like, looking at just is the shirts and stuff, but he's like... And he pays for them. Like, the scene... Yeah. That, but like, all it needs to do is establish the fact that he is being followed yeah. because just, of his appearance. And he's seeing it, he's been seen as other, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just... It's it's like one of those things. It's like, yeah, you can buy that polo shirt. You can buy your wife that, that blouse. And you can buy the jeans. And you can try to fit in and as much as you can. people look at you the same way that I look at the people in the magazines. Right. <laughs> you, you're, just, you're just never... Uh, I guess that's the question, right? Is like, you're always going to be, to everybody else, treated, uh, treated like the teenagers treated you. Like, go back to your fucking mm -hmm. home, you know? But so I think that's the part, though. So he he doesn't get that experience. You know, when he starts singing along, they're laughing at him, but he doesn't it. realize it. Yeah, he's getting it. He just doesn't realize what's happening, yeah. whereas she does. So he thinks he's being given the chance, and she's realizing yeah, that these people are laughing at them, not with them. He has a very naive view of yes. the assimilation process that he's trying really hard to do right well can you imagine too also coming from what he's come from i would want to try and assimilate also yeah yeah um so he, he's trying as hard as he can to prove to the government and the neighbors and everyone that he and Rial belong in the uk however uh Rial's clinging to her culture she retains a daughter's necklace dresses in colorful clothes and rather than using the table sits on the floor to eat uh which does drive bull kind of crazy 
the two of them soon experience strange and disturbing phenomena in their new home and see visions of Niagak and a mysterious man who both escape into the walls. Riol doesn't take long to work out what the evil in their house is. It's, it's an Apeth or night witch. She tells Bull the story of a poor man in her village who accidentally stole from an Apeth by the river. When the thief built his home, the Apeth moved in with him and haunted him. Rial believes that, the, uh, that an Apeth has followed them, and if they repay their debt, the Apeth will bring Niagak back to them. However, it's not immediately clear what that debt is that they need to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the payoff for that, we have to wait a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you did a little bit of digging to see what you could find about these night witches. I did. So I tried to kind of find what they were talking about in the movie about... In terms of the Apeth, you uh, mean? Yeah, about okay. the Apeth and, and the Night Witch. And I was you know, seeing if I could find out that story specifically. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a lot that I could find. Dinka culture does have what they call Apeths or Night Witches, but they're a lot more like... They take a human form. They're people. Okay. So they don't have this sort of metaphysical property like they do in this movie. Okay. Okay. But they take on a human form in this film. Yeah, but they're actually like real people. Like, you know how they would say a witch... In like in puritanical times, yeah, like that woman yeah, is a how, witch how because she spoils, I couldn't churn my butter. Yeah, excuse me, okay. she spoils your butter or makes you ill. You know what I mean? But she's a a, a classification of person. Okay, like a, a tangible. It's nice to know oxygen. that it wasn't just Maine that went through that. <laughs> Salem yeah. was everywhere. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I feel like every culture has some idea of witches. Yes. Um, or. <laughs> Absolutely. Which adjacent. Yeah. You fucking women. (laughs) (laughs) They did say though, so there's one there's one um line, I guess when when she's telling Bull about the Apeth and how like eventually, you know, they'll I don't know if she was referencing the story or referencing the one in their home, but eventually he will consume you, right? And this is the thing they say all the time. It's translated to they'll eat you, but what they're meaning is it will consume you. And eventually they'll just, they're around for so long and they feed off of you for so long and your energy that eventually like you'll just be gone. But they can't actually do anything to you. Right. So this is is sort of like an energy vampire? Kind of. It appears that way. I only read one article, um, but there's not honestly a lot that I could find. But what kind of energy vampire? Is it like the (laughs) energy vampire like in in what we do from in the shadows where it's just like, it's just like i work guy. with someone like that <laughs> i swear to god because that honestly sounds worse than anything that it? Show <laughs> it really does so as for the design of the ghosts weeks uh in one of his interviews said it was always a conversation about what they should look like and throughout the making of the film they changed a lot from being very artistic and graphic to really using bold references from south sudan to being very true to life like what would the people look like we're always trying to find that line because you want it to feel honest but then you also want to have fun with it whatever we were debating we would always edge towards honest more than stylized and i appreciate that i feel like that's something that we don't see often enough uh, but Bull doesn't buy it. Uh, he winds up burning everything they bring with him, uh, including the small necklace that Rial wears, much to her uh, trying to fight and say uh, something along the lines of, uh, leave me this little bit. Right. Yeah, le- she doesn't don't, have anything else. Yeah, don't take everything else away from... And this is kind of like one of those... Uh, um, it's a big turning point in this film because there there is no going back from this, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. like at this point, she's been kind of accepting... Of everything that's been going on and she's been taking it in stride and they talk about this witch and everything but he's like we are cursed so he he says that that they're cursed and that they have to get rid of all this stuff 
in order to combat this evil that mm-hmm. it is. So he acknowledges there's something going on in the house. Right. But she tries to tell him that this is something completely different and that he needs to make a sacrifice, whereas he's, his immediate reaction is to try to get her to sacrifice even more. Well, right. he, additionally, he also views it as like, until we get rid of all of this, we'll never be those good people. Exactly. We'll never be right. welcome here. Yeah, so it's almost like this, like, like... Two birds, one stone type of situation mm-hmm. where it's just like, all right, here's my opportunity to get rid of everything that might make us different. Exactly. And, How convenient. <laughs> yeah, and at the same time, get rid of this evil that I just witnessed. Right. Even though she's saying that she's had a conversation with this witch. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. He, he says that they did something fucked up and they need to atone for well, that. Well, she tells him point blank that he's the one that needs to make some sort of sacrifice. Yeah. She's like, yeah, she's true. She said, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's... he he is just as unaccepting of that as he is the fact that he's not actually being accepted in this right in this area right he's he's a, he's just he's very ignorant yeah. <laughs> but he's so good in this role yeah he's trying too hard yeah almost yeah. Uh, but this this drives a pretty big wedge between the two of them. Understandably, yeah. like at this point, you know, she's not on his side anymore. No. Um, which is sad because at the beginning of the movie, and relative, like you know, up until. You know, they were, you know, the witch came around. They were very close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their relationship, even when they were in the detainment center, like you felt that they were a close couple. You could feel that love there. But it's one of those, like, is it, how much of it is close because of the fact that they have been through so much shit Just together? due to circumstance. Yeah, due to circumstance than it is actually them being close Sometimes to that stuff tears couples apart. Yeah, that's true. It does not it's always actually, bring them closer together. It's, it's actually funny because once we get to the kind of that end sequence, that final act where we see everything that happens, mm-hmm. there was a part where I even wondered whether or not they were actually a couple to begin with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, had, I had that same kind of, I was like, did are they just like both two con men that are... Yeah, I don't right. think they're like common. I think it was just a matter of circumstance, forced opportunity. Opportunity, yeah. Opportunity, yeah. Um, so, as we see, burning everything without using any sage doesn't do any good. So the Apeth mm. uh, continues to torment him, and things keep getting worse between Bolin and Riel. Uh, he ends up going to Mark to request new accommodations, blaming rats uh, infesting their house as a reason that they need to move. Uh, and Mark's like, you sure about this? Like... They're going to know that you complain. No, yeah. it's, it's not really. Are you sure about this? He's immediately leveraging. He's like, all right, yeah, yeah. you can make us think about this, but I'm going to have to report you. Yeah, like it's, it's you're not, not going to go be well fitting in you. anymore. It's not going to be going well for you, and you won't be those good people. There's no <laughs> ounce of like genuine care or concern in him no. about this at all. It's just like, all right, you're going to give me more paperwork, and I'm going to mm-hmm. report you. That yeah. is literally the like, response. Dude, can't you see I'm on Twitter right now? Yeah. Uh, so Bull ends up going back to the house and starts tearing the walls apart looking for the Apeth, which uh, threatens the chances of staying in the U.K. when Mark shows up for the weekly report and discovers all the damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bull does eventually encounter Niagax ghost who has a knife and can interact with the lights. Can uh, we just go back really quickly and talk though about when Mark comes to the house for the check? Yes. I and know this is a big thing for you. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts. Cause I feel like, especially in horror movies, when, when the people who are being haunted are faced with someone from the outside, their first reaction is to kind of downplay what's happening in the house. Right. They're like, you know, until the things start moving and stuff like that, everyone's just denies it. But his wife just straight up is like, oh, yeah, no, we have a witch. <laughs> yeah, she comes she comes out and is wrapped it, up in a tablecloth. Yeah, Matt, Matt Smith's <laughs> partner with, with him is just like, is she wearing the fucking bed sheets, yeah. man? And fucking, you know, it's interesting because, like, I think this, the, 
This is the point where I'm just like Jordan Peele would be creaming his pants right now because the walls are <laughs> fucking allegory for everything that they're going through mm-hmm. throughout the course of this whole film. Everything that the walls are going through, the couple is going through, right? So yeah. when we get when they get to the house, like yeah, they're in a state of disrepair, but it's something that can be salvaged. Absolutely. It's something that can be fixed and repaired, and it won't take a whole lot of work. And there's hope, there's chance mm-hmm. to it all. And then he starts stripping the wall, the wallpaper off the walls, and that's the point of the relationship where things start to kind of deteriorate. And then finally, he takes a fucking hammer to him and just is is ripping out wires and is focused so intently on destroying everything that is around them. And mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's a por- perfect allegory to everything that they're going on in their relationship with. And th- the entire time that I'm watching the scene and watching this whole like interaction with him and Matt Smith and they're talking about the walls and all this shit, the only thing that was literally going through my fucking head is Jordan Peele wishes he could write this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was very clever. Yeah. <laughs> so he deals with the Yagak's ghost. He also sees ghosts of other people from Sudan. Uh, but they don't seem to be able to do much other than hang out and remind him that he's a haunted piece of shit. Uh, but this is fine with Rial, who tells Bull that she wants to leave. Right. She's, yeah, she's she done with this place. And she doesn't seem to care so much. Mm-mm. She's no. like, I've been, and she did say, she's, I've been through way fucking worse to see what people can do to people. And she These also do says, not scare me. Yeah, she's, why would I be scared of ghosts? Yeah. Uh, I've seen what people can do to each other. Yeah. And so the Apest says that Riel should be afraid of Bull. Uh, and then there's this really cool sequence where you see them uh, sitting in the kitchen eating together. And he's mm-hmm. sitting there clanging away with his knife and fork. She's still, she's at least sitting at the table now. Yeah. But she's still eating with her hands. But the, so, so it's interesting, right? Because they're eating like sesame seed buns and fucking like manwich filling. Yeah. And uh, he's acting like this is the greatest thing that he's ever put in her mouth. And she's, and she's just very, like picking at yeah, it. Yeah, she's picking yeah. at it. Because, because what she could make was so much better. Yeah, of course. You yeah. know, it's it's one of those things like, you know, like, like oh, we gave up flavorful food for British food. Yeah, man. I know, British food of all fucking Any food. sort of fan- Boiled you know, meats. <laughs> it's, it's the funniest thing. And I don't mean to talk down about my wife's family or anything, but fucking... My Puerto Rican family's mm-hmm. cooking versus my wife's family's cooking are two incredible Dude, you don't like Irish potatoes? <laughs> it's not just Irish potatoes. It's it's a it's a total lack of flavor. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. What I'm trying White to say. Why people eat meatloaf? Dude, look, I, I get it. Man. I fucking love got, meatloaf. I do too. I've got, I'm half Polish and then fucking Latvian on the other side. Like, we got kielbasa. But the the, cool. the thing is the the thing is it's just like you know. It, that's part of the assimilation process is that he's pretending like this is so much better than everything that we've gone through right? or that they've gone through. Uh, and, and she's over here just like, like what you just said, it, give me five spices yeah, and this I can trash. make something so much better. <laughs> and she's trying to, she's not just trying to hold on to her past by eating with her hands. She's kind of like pointing out the fact that this is all just mediocre yeah. and everything that they have walked into that is supposed to be the saving grace Sure, they're safe. Yes. Sure, they're running away from. They're not. They're not. They're not having to deal with with uh, not, people. Two two tribes trying mm-hmm. to kill one another all mm-hmm. the time. But where's the spark? Where's where's the stuff that made them smile every day? This right. isn't. This isn't. They're stuck in a house. They can't work. They have to get a stipend every week. They have to eat what is given to them. They don't have any friends. They don't have any friends. They don't have any way to kind of get out and and try to make a name for themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Because, like, I will say this. Back in the days when 
when you read about the history of, and I, really all I can say is about the context in America, right? When you read about the history of America and Ellis Island and all this shit and people kind of immigrating through there, yeah, that whole process was really fucking shitty. But there was no uh, limit on them trying to get out and get a job and try right. to immediately get out there and try to uh, make a name it, for themselves. Once you, once you step here. foot on the ground yeah. and you were in the door, you were in the door. And yeah, there were shitty conditions. And yeah, it was all, there were a whole bunch of other fucking things that the, you had to jump through to, mm-hmm. in order to get there. But you had that freedom to walk in and do something. Here, they're just going from one fucking shitty situation into a prison that is sort of a decrepit house (laughs) yeah that that's it's just like oh you know this is all for you this is actually just another jail cell that you have to go it's safer but it's safer it's not good yeah there's no spark to their life yeah and uh, there was a part that i left out from i guess it's towards the beginning of the movie where we all was talking about the marks on her skin that's right um and what you had mentioned how you know yes they've escaped the two warring factions where one one group gave her one set of marks and she gave herself the other mm-hmm. and that she belongs to nowhere mm-hmm. because right. of it. Um, so, I mean, Riel's a bad bitch. She is yeah. a bad bitch. Um, she'll, she'll be fine anywhere. And she doesn't, she doesn't need bowls, fucking Chino nonsense. Man, which and gross man, which filling <laughs> to get by. But at this, at this dinner table, we get this really cool scene. Uh, so the camera pans out and we see all the walls destroyed and torn apart behind them. Right. Uh, and you see the two of them sitting at this table and slowly the camera pans out and you see the entire kitchen is surrounded by water. Uh, and so Weeks talks about this. He says, we shot in Tilbury in Essex, which is a small community, a pretty tough community. Once they found a house they liked, they shot there for a few weeks before recreating that on a soundstage. And once we were in the soundstage, it gave us the opportunity to really transform the house and turn it inside out and go wild. He managed to achieve this by transporting the kitchen wall into one of the water tanks they had set up, lighting it exactly the same way as the kitchen scene before so they could do a pullout to reveal the ocean. Using the ocean is not just a key element, but also a way to uncover his buried traumas with something very fun. Poor Chope, him having to fall into the water, and then I say, cut, can you do it one more time? And he'll be like, okay, I didn't mean to keep doing that, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's the day he hated me the most. Because mm-hmm. apparently uh, when the two of them were talking about working with Weeks, he would just keep going until he got the shot right. Okay. Um, they didn't say how many times they did this, but my guess is mm, 10 or 15 at least. Um, that doesn't sound like enough times to get someone mad at you. It, <laughs> it really does not. It might not. I don't know. Maybe it was like, like 30 40. or 40. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then, then I'm thinking about how much how much stuff easily bothers me during these right. corona isolation <laughs> times. And I'm just like, you know what? Actually, five times sounds good. Right. <laughs> We're good. Um, but in response to Riel saying she wants to leave, Bull says, fuck this shit and locks her in the house. He bolts up the windows uh, takes, the door. takes the the door handle off the inside mm-hmm. of the door and pretty much and absolutely locks her in the house. She can't go anywhere. Then he says, "You know what? I'm gonna have a little conversation with this ghost motherfucker." So he summons the Apeth himself, <laughs> who then calls him a thief uh, and claims that Bull has stolen a life that was not his to take. I don't know what a life that is yours to take would be, though. Uh, killing yourself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Killing the creator of Man Witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he owes for that one. No, the the, uh, the British have a different term for the Man Witch. It's, some, it's called something else there. I'm going to Google it. Keep going. Are they spotted meat pies? Dick? Uh, sure. I thought, the spotted, <laughs> I thought Spotted Dick was like a log. Oh, I don't know. I just think it comes in a can. Oh, maybe. 
Uh, I don't so, know. I actually know what spotted dick so is. So while Palmer's looking this up, the Apeth offers Bull a deal. His life for Neagox. Uh, but Bull says, fuck that shit. Uh, and the Apeth gets pretty pissed off. He does. And uh, puts uh, Bull in a state of uh, catatonia uh, while he sits around the couch and pisses himself. That's right. Well, because he says, too, mm-hmm. he's... Bull kind of... I guess taunts him a little bit, not yeah. taunts him, but it's like you can't touch me. Well, so, no, like, he's absolutely taunting yeah, him because like, he realizes he realizes that the like Niagog's ghost was able to interact with the lights, right? And she had her knife and she kept slamming it into the floor, but uh-huh. at no point did she ever contact him except for the point where she came up behind him and right. held a knife to his throat. The Apeth tried to do the same thing, and Bull was like, "You can't you actually can't touch it. me. Yeah. You can't hurt me." So he's, yeah, he's mocking the Apeth. But then he's the like, Apeth goes, all right, well, I can't, you know, physically hurt you, but I can make you watch this. Yeah. And he makes him relive the instance where they lost Nyagak in the water. Yeah, so. For I don't know how long. They they fall out of the boat. They're getting rescued by. A, I don't know. By yeah. somebody. Uh, but it was like a rescue boat. Yeah, it was a rescue boat. Um, they're they're getting rescued, and you see Bull and Rial get rescued, and Rial is screaming, trying to find slush burgers. Slush burgers. Oh, that sounds even worse. Than <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah, that before. sounds really gross. Um, but you see, you know, Bull's just trying to get on the boat. Yes. Rial is trying to find Niagak. Yes. And there's some really cool shots of you see Niagak. Uh, falling deeper into the water, mm-hmm. and it does look a little reminiscent of Jordan Peele and Get Out and falling into the mm-hmm. uh, deep place or whatever that was the called. Sunken place. The sunken place. Mm-hmm. Um, it also kind of looks like Titanic. It also kind of <laughs> looks like Titanic. Um, so Rial manages to escape the house at one point while this is happening. She 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 walks through. She sees Ball sitting on the couch pissing himself. He can't move. The candle's still lit in front of him. She puts the door handle back on the door and opens the door. Uh, and suddenly she's back in South Sudan. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's reunited with all of her old friends who are revealed to be victims of a massacre that Rial was able to survive by hiding. And this is where we find out what actually happened. Well, this scene leading up to it, too, it's very interesting how the Apeth shows himself to Bull and how he shows himself to Rial, right? Mm-hmm. So he shows himself, if if I understood it correctly, he shows himself to Rial as... An elder in her community. Right. And she's asking the elder, where's my daughter? And the elder looks to the woman next to mm-hmm. Rial who touches her stomach and says, you what daughter? No daughter? You have no daughter. She has no daughter. Yeah. But, she, but it's it's more or less... I don't know. I guess uh, up until that situation, a comforting place for her. She's right. embraced by people, you know, so it's not a scary experience for her. Yeah. Mm-mm. Where it is much, much more frightening for Bull. Yeah. And so we, we start to see a little bit of what's going on. You know, there's this. We know the daughter drowned. And then there's this conversation about, you know, you have no daughter. right? Well, who's who's that who's, girl then? Yeah. Um, and so we see. uh she ends up hiding, and Bull comes across her in the corner of this room, uh, just kind of standing in the corner, shivering, shaking, uh, and more or less catatonic. She's not pissing herself like Bull was because she's a badass. Um, well, she was hiding in the desk, right? And then she comes out from the desk and stands in the corner, and that's where Bull finds her. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think is what happened in. What they're they're replaying then at that point what happened to them in the Sudan. Yeah, yeah. 
So they leave uh, to try to escape, and they find a bus uh, that they need to board to get out of the area, but the only people allowed on are children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know, women and children first. And Bull pulls the Titanic move mm-hmm. and uh, swipes a kid uh, and says, this is my daughter, let us on. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they get on the bus, and as they're driving away, you see uh, Niagok's real mom. Oh, my God. Uh, screaming and chasing the bus and screaming for Niagok. Niagok's on the bus making a scene, screaming for her mom. Yeah. And at that uh, point, there are people coming. And everyone who is not on the bus is going, about to die. And yeah. you see Niagok's mom get shot down in the street in a cloud of dust behind the bus. Uh, at this point, uh, Bowles decided that the only way out of this, he has to accept it. Yep. He he's accepting what he's done. I done did fucked up. He I done, done did, did fucked, up. fucked up. Just the look too that there's that other mom gives um I forget I should have like you on her name. Anyways, Real. Real the there's another mother on the bus who gives Real a look. Like she doesn't say anything to her, but she looks at her like She's like, You just stole that you woman's just fucking, fucking baby. Fucking stole that kid's baby and that look was like oh, Yeah. Ooh. I mean, that's the look I would get. I mean, I would probably say something. <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably punch him once, let him fall down and walk away. Uh, so, <laughs> Are you pissing in my car? <laughs> so Riol finds Bull sitting around with a large gash on his arm. And Bull, and Bull starts to let the apeth into his skin uh, and have Niagak return to Riol. And this is where we finally actually get to see the apeth in all of his true glory. And he's mm-hmm. this... Weird, shriveled, super white, creepy dude with glowing eyes. Like um, sunken, glowing eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah kind of very, very like vampiric looking almost. Yeah. I, I got shades of like the thing from Pan's Labyrinth with the eyeballs on its hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he kind of crawls up to Bowl and it's really, it, really unsettling. And he jams his hand into the gash in Bowl's arm and you see him like Bowl's screaming, wriggling around inside <laughs> his flesh. Yeah. It's, it's, Pretty. In, it's a pretty intense moment, uh, only to be spoiled uh, by Rial accepting that this is my life now. Mm-hmm. Nothing is actually going to bring Niagak back. Uh, and, and this I, is my husband. And this is my, my husband. Friend. So fuck this shit. Grabs a knife and slits the pest throat mm-hmm. and lets it bleed out all over top of Bolt. Uh, our good friend Doctor Mark later comes to inspect the house. Finding it repaired, mm-hmm. uh, Bowles put in Bowl and Rial. I assume have put in a lot of time getting the walls fixed up and get every, getting everything back to normal. Uh, and he asks while his you know assistant is going around and um, taking notes of everything. And she says at one point like oh, they weren't supposed to have a barbecue or something. Um, he asks if they ever see their daughter. Uh, and Bowl and Rial say that they've chosen to stay in the house and make it their new home. Um, and he asks after after he asks if uh, they ever see the daughter um, and what happened to the witch. Uh, Bull ends with what we opened the episode with: uh, "Your ghosts follow you. They never leave. They live with you. And it's when we let them in that we can face ourselves." Mm-hmm. And then Mark hops into the TARDIS, <laughs> pulls out his wand. And summons his companion. Mm. On to the next adventure! <laughs> and leaves behind all of the ghosts from South Sudan. There you go. Standing in the hallway. At least they're in the hallway, or outside, I guess. They're not yes. They're not inside the house anymore. And they're kind of just standing there at that point. Much yeah. more akin to how they were in her in her sort of 
experience with them as opposed to what was the name of the redhead follower amelia pond oh pond oh pond i like to believe she's on the tardis ready to go let's let's make it happen That's it. That's it. Oh, oh, did you just look at me for more? I don't have any more. I don't don't watch Doctor Who, so I I don't don't either. I just know about what what (laughs) Kelly was obsessed with. Yeah, that's not not really my jam. (laughs) It's true. And so the ghosts are quite literally the ghosts that they live with, but then also the ghosts of the things that they've done, the ghosts of, you know, their survivor's guilt that they have for surviving when all those other people died. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's, it's, it's fucking deep, man. The ghosts we carry along with us. All of us have them. Everybody has them. Uh... And if you say that you don't, then you're a fucking liar. And mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and if you really don't, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. then you, you have lived a you sheltered lived a life. very, very Are you fortunate one? life. And you're a neat that just demands bitch mommy give you tendies. That's the only thing that I can think of if you're living I without any I did write ghosts. down GBP when I was doing my notes on... Uh, the statistics for refugees. Yeah. And I wrote down GBP because I couldn't remember the hotkey to actually put in the pound symbol. Oh, really? And I was looking at it the whole time. I'm like, please don't say good bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we rating this out of? Uh, what was it called? Beefy slushy Slush burgers. Slush yeah. Slush burgers? Slush burgers. All right, let's do it out of that. How many slush burgers are we giving this? <laughs> well, now I want to give it one because know, that right? just sounds fucking gross. <laughs> I don't want anyone to ever have more than one slush burger. Uh, and if if you, you do happen to be listening to this over in England uh, and slush burgers are legitimately good, please uh, at me and let me know yep. um, so we can get into an argument. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this uh, four... Four seven five slush burgers. Four seven five slush burgers. Mm. Hot this, damn! This is that's a hot slush burger. That's a this hot a, slush burger. I, I'm with you. I think this is definitely this is one of the top movies I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm right there with you, buddy. Four seven five slush burgers for me too. Alex, what are you giving this? Four seven five oh, slush wow. burgers. Oh wow! Four seven five. That's I told you, you guys would like easy it. Easy math, dude. Like I don't know what to say. You don't have to divide that by three. You don't, you don't have, have to divide, divide that by, by three at all. That one's. <laughs> I thought you guys would like this. I'm very glad. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 this, uh, yeah, like I said, easily, we will be talking about this one again when we, when we hit our, our year end, I am sure. Yeah. Unless something comes along and really steals enough thunder to put this at number six. <laughs> yeah. This one will at least be number five for this year. Uh, that wraps things up. Sam, I want to thank you for yes, taking thanks. the reins on this one. Thank you, Sammy. For yep. this week. Uh, Alex, I want to thank you for chipping in and helping with this too. Um, I didn't. You guys, you guys stepped up to the plate <laughs> at a time when I needed you the most. Uh, so we're moving on to housekeeping. Um, as always, thanks for tuning in. Um, Sam, you put in a little comment here saying this feels strangely fitting to watch on the heels of a U.S. election, mm. given how many immigrants and refugees have been so well-received. I um, <laughs> oh. I think you are correct on, on yeah, that statement. You know, if, <laughs> yeah. if anybody made it this far and you didn't put those two things together, well, you probably don't live in the U.S. That's true. That's true. I, uh, I, I can't say I, I can agree with that any less than I... Well, any more than I already do, rather. Not any right, I was like, you wait, what? <laughs> I don't think you're saying that the way you Build want the it wall. to. <laughs> uh, you can follow Terror and Panito on all the major social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Terror and Panito. You can email us as well, cast at terrorandpanito.com. As always, you can follow us individually, too, on Twitter. I'm Palmer at Sturmsworth. I'm Alex.
Alex at A Looters. I'm Sam at Sam Heaves, and tell me what slush burgers are actually like. Uh, yeah, because I just Im- imagine that they're made with what the fuck is it? J and P sauce. That's just yeah. imagine. No, that. isn't it? I think it's H and P. H P H P sauce. I just imagine that they're just made. See in my head, it's just a slurpy. Between two pieces of Wonder Bread. So it's what that one guy fed his wife in the last movie we covered. Remember? In the mortuary collection? Yeah. Remember? she? Oh, she, yeah. She, yeah. They had to blend all the food up. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a slush burger. <laughs> oh, my God. Check just, out our uh, kill me. Check out our <laughs> website at uh, terrorandpodnito.com. And uh, we have David Murdoch on. It is coming out. Uh, it is coming out. Obviously, my family issues have put a damper on that. Um, the uh, it, This one has been, I, I warned you guys of this last week, or last time we released an episode, but this one has been a bitch to edit. I am still in the process of doing that. And as soon as uh, I am back from Ohio for the second time, I will hunker down and really try to get this one out uh i already contacted david and let him know we're looking at more like mid november for that episode to come out it will be coming out um so look for it that wraps things up stay safe stay healthy we want to know what you did for halloween we want to know what you watched over october we want to know everything let's keep this spooky season going even though we're about to have turkey and we want you to play among us with us yeah uh so the 16th of november we are going to be doing our next live stream the last one we did was a lot of fun it was uh if you have any interest in playing the game among us it is five bucks on steam and can run on pretty much a a brick uh (laughs) As long as it's not an Apple brick. Yeah, as long as it's not an Apple device. Apparently, it does have to be a PC, but it can run on pretty much anything. It's essentially one of those fucking Newgrounds Flash games. And if you understand what I mean, then you're old as shit. <laughs> uh, yep. I. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to play with us, we've got a Discord, so you can get in there with us. Yeah, well, we will shoot you invites. We would be glad to have, have fans just come in and join us. So if you have any interest, please tweet at us. Please send us an Instagram message. Send us a Facebook message. Shit, I will shoot happily, us an email. I will happily call you sus while shoving you into a vent. Yeah, that is uh, that is all things that we will be doing. Um, we, will, we will be aiming to have a full party going on uh, the 16th, so look for that then. I, what, what time did we start with the last stream? What was it like nine-ish? Eight or nine. Eight that or was nine. on a weekend. But it was though. a weekend. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. So why don't we say we'll probably start around eight? Yeah. Does that sound good? 7.38. 7.38, something like that. Uh, we'll probably play for about the same amount of time. We had a lot of fun with it last time, so look for that. Um, why do I keep saying 9.16? This, is, this month is not September. 11.16. <laughs> next Monday. We'll be doing this. Yes, next Monday. Um, other than that, like I said, stay safe, stay healthy, most importantly. Keep it creepy. Thanks for uh, listening, and we will be back soon with another episode. Maybe something Thanksgiving-themed. Maybe. What's that one tur- about the demonic Thanks killing. Thanks, Thanks killing. killing. I hate that. Such a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Thanksgiving slasher film from like the 80s that I uh, kind of want to try. It's awful. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. At least we have December sorted. That's <laughs> true. We do have December sorted. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you all in a couple weeks.